To a special Halloween D comedy. You just sound Italian. I do not sound. Nah, maybe a little. <laughs> hey, everybody, welcome to D comedy. It's watching... me, Mario. <laughs> I think I sound relatively Transylvanian. Well, that just doesn't even have anything to do with vampires. So That's shut what up. Dracula sounds like. Mwah. Uh Welcome, everybody, to uh, D comedy, our rewatch, review, whatever you want to call it podcast. This month, your D commentators are me, Lucas. And me, Emma. And we are joined today by uh, one of the all time great D commentators. Uh, one of the all time. I'm Lucas. <laughs> <laughs> well, I wanted to leave the future open. That's okay. That's fair. But yes. Someone could surpass you. <laughs> Someone, you know. I'll tell you what. Okay. By the first all-time great guest decommentator. Okay, Dylan. That That's a little better, Lucas. <laughs> yeah. But thank okay. you. I'm... Maybe tighten it up a little bit. It's a little bit longer. It was, it was. Yeah, but that would imply I put any forethought into these intros on, which we all know I don't. Not even that Italian accent? Yeah, no, not that, even, Clearly. I can clearly tell that was not clearly. rehearsed. Um, <laughs> but we are. we have gathered the spook squad here today to talk to you about the Disney Channel classic, The Phantom of the Megaplex. A, admittedly, and I'm going to apologize right up front, audience, not that scary of a movie, in my opinion. <laughs> it wasn't. It's really... not, I don't think, supposed to be scary. No, if you watch the trailer they put out, it came out during uh, Spooktober, whatever the D- Disney Channel thing is. It, they were like, this is our Halloween thing. I, like, I know it's themed around that, but I don't think it's, I mean, Halloween Town's not scary. I think it's supposed to be, it's supposed to be yeah, more of who done it. But I would that. say Halloween Town's spooky. I agree. I think Halloween Town 2 and um, Don't Look Under the Bed are kind of like well, two Disney Channels. Well, Don't Look Under the Bed is the there was a of few, horror movie. There was a few effects that obviously I watched this this morning, like with my coffee. So like I, I wasn't in a spoopy mood, if you know what I mean. Mm-hmm. But like there was a few effects that are like, not effects, but moments and beats where I remember, I was like, oh, I remember being kind of creeped out by this. Yeah, as a kid. for sure. When music they go under the, organ, the, the fucking movie when theater. Like 40, when they're 40 stories <laughs> below the movie theater. How like, getting and back up, the, getting back up uh, those stairs must have been an absolute oh my slog. God. It must what have a- so how did Mickey Rooney do that in his age? Oh, there you no they, idea. Uh, we'll talk about Mickey Rooney in a second. I will say, <laughs> quick correction from me: this did come out in the fall, but it came out on November tenth, which was after Halloween, because they already released "Mom's Got a Date with a Vampire" October thirteenth. Mm. So I guess they didn't want to have them too close together. So they put this one after Halloween because they knew this one was less. That's what I'm saying. Spooky. That is the movie that you should be doing a Transylvanian accent. That's for. true. That, That's this fair. one does not. You should be playing an organ for this. <laughs> I should be wearing a half mask that the yes. audience can't see. Which, for the record, this if you were expecting this to have anything to do with the Phantom of the Opera, it, it's if nothing. If you look it up online, Dylan, I literally Wikipedia'd it, and, like, the first thing is, like, it, they, they, they actually write in Wikipedia, like, incredibly loosely based on the book, <laughs> The Phantom of the Opera. <laughs> yeah, it's and based on like, the musical. It's based I was on like, the book. this is, this is, it's not, but okay. It's not, not, not at, literally it not is, at all. 
Because you know what it really is? And uh, burn opening thoughts. There's no news, by the way. We're recording this kind of early, so stuff probably happened that I don't know about. This is not even, I would say, based on the family output. You don't want to know what this is? This is an a, a hour and a half long episode of Scooby-Doo. Scooby-Doo! It's Scooby-Doo! Yes! Yeah. And that's why I think I like it, because I oh, love Scooby-Doo. That's exactly why I, mean, I love it. I mean, I also <laughs> love Scooby-Doo, but it's like Scooby-Doo with none of the characters I like. I, <laughs> none of the you char- don't like the with terribly the except- named the except- children Pete, Karen, with and the, Brian? With the exception of Movie Mason, who is kind of the best character in the movie. Kind um, of. Yeah, pretty much. By far. I mean, yeah, and and I guess Brian and what's his sister's name? Karen. Karen. I love Karen. That's Karen, yes. Worst name for a child I they ever. Were fine. Yeah, I was, that's I was, too, yeah, I think her parents are going to regret that, like, now. <laughs> Karen's having a rough 2020. Well, I actually have some words to say about Karen's later on in the film, because well, there's a lot. There's a, of, there's, a lot in this there's movie, a lot going not on. just I would say in this town. Uh, what the fuck is up with this, this town? Is that's where I want to jump town. in. Where is this located? Uh, Cotton Hills. Where? No clue. <laughs> where Hollywood stars are bust? I, I don't know. Obviously, they filmed it in Canada, and then they For also sure. filmed it. In Salt Lake City. Yeah, they doubled But I don't know where it's actually supposed to be because, yeah, they're way outside. L.A. as um, that manager makes it very clear. Yeah, they give the just... town a name, which is Cotton Hills, but they do not say what state it is in. For sure, they yeah. do let you know the minutia of how many screens the fucking Megaplex has mm-hmm. every five minutes. I oh. was like, we don't have time to place this on a map, but I need to know exactly what movies playing on all twenty-seven of these screens. Uh, That's well, a lot of theaters. Oh no, by twenty-six. The way. 26. Oh, this theater was massive. It is, it is massive. But the reason I know it's 26 is because there's not really a tagline for this movie. There's only like one poster that had a tagline when I was looking up one. And the tagline, quote unquote, is the Cotton Hills Megaplex has 52 employees, 26 screens, and one uninvited guest. Why do they have 52? That was actually one of my first comments. I was like, is the entire local public high school working, working. at this yes. movie theater? Yes. This movie theater exclusively Dylan, employs children. You also... Okay, it's, but it's, I thought it, that it was breaks so many yeah, child yeah, yeah. labor laws in yes, oh, yes, yes, Dylan, film. No, not even child labor, just labor laws Labor in laws in general. Really. This, I was like, what part in the climax are they going to sue this fucking guy for all he's worth? Take him to the cleaners. Yeah, you think Ricky Rules yeah. is going to let that slide? He's filing a class. But no. He, guys, <laughs> they do that intro where they intro all the guys. Like, okay, so those are all the kids working at the theater. Smash cut yeah. to four 40 more kids that he's yelling at. I was like, how many employees yeah. is Well, we got the important ones because those are the ones with nicknames. Um, which, yeah, let's just hop right Well, we also know 20 of those kids just fucking do not show I, I think they might be dead. Well, the also, killed them. Yeah, I have I personally... There's Their a lot of skeletons things, will lie under the Megaplex forever. There's a lot of things that just kind of happen in this movie to, like, help along with the plot. And it's my opinion that the Phantom was also responsible for them, which even though it doesn't make sense. But, yeah, let's just hop right in since there's not a lot of news to talk about. But, Dylan, uh, obviously, we kind of let you pick the film this <laughs> month. And I was just wondering if you'd like to say anything about why you love this movie so much. Because I personally wasn't that big of a fan. I think, I mean, this is probably the first time I've seen it in multiple years, to be honest. But I just have vivid memories, I feel like, of of watching it when I was a kid. And just having, like, a really good time with it. And I think also, it is a little bit of, like, a cinephile's paradise of... (laughs) Yes! No, Dylan, I agree! No, no, it it is, because, like, I love, like, I love films, and, like, like, Brian and Karen are, like, Brian is constantly rattling off, like, The fake films, they are so funny. And plots of all these fake films, and I was like, I kind of dig this, and Movie Mason is, like, a walking cinephile, so I think when I was, like, a kid growing up, also, like, liking movies and liking DCOMs, 
I was like, oh, this is just like my total jam all around. And it's like, and yeah, when you're kind of a kid, it's like, oh, it's, you know, kind of a mystery. Is it like this old dude who might be fine, it's might be creepy? Is it the fucking projectionist guy? Like, yeah. so I, I just, I think there's a lot of factors that I grew up really liking it. So this is the D- Disney Channel Cinema Paradiso, is what you're telling me. <laughs> For me, it, it very, well, very well could have been, Lucas, yes. Okay. I like, I also, this was one of my favorite, it, I think it's probably one of my top five decons, uh, at least it was growing up, I watched it okay. a lot. I don't know if it's like, would st- I would still rank it there, but I will say yes to everything Dylan just said, and also, like, I love movie theaters. Like, my favorite place in the world is a movie theater, like, that is my happy yeah. place. Like, I love going to movie theaters, so something about the setting I love. I love it be- taking place mm-hmm. in this massive movie theater. I think I loved that growing up, about it growing up. And then I love mysteries. I love Agatha Christie novels. I know I love like a whodunit that's not scary. Like I don't like thrillers. I like things like where the murder takes place and then like an innocent English hamlet and you're never scared really but like you want to find out who did it which is this. It's not scary which is why I liked it as a kid but it's still a mystery. Obviously now as an adult it's very obvious who did it but like when I was a kid it was like oh my god like what a great mystery. Mm -hmm. I like that. Also do you know what's special about this film guys? What? And us talking about it us three us three watched this film together i do remember because i remember i was gonna say i have seen, no memory i've seen of that. this movie one time and it was in our basement of our basement house. it was a third yes with, it was I like think, a thursday night and we all had friday off of mm-hmm. school for whatever and this was on bullshit and i friday remember, holiday that we I always got off i remembered who the phantom was because we had watched it in this experience i was like i've only seen this movie the one time with emma and dylan prior and so i, I kind of already know what the reveal I guess is maybe i do remember that now now it's kind of all coming back i feel like for some reason i feel like there was maybe a football game involved too like that's possibly it's possible. friday night yeah but i will say i also just top line another thing that i had forgotten that i liked about this movie is i like the main character he's oh, not I, an asshole I for like the first Pete. time yeah, in a long Pete's time a good guy. Pete's and a good guy. i i even as a kid i had hard times with these movies when the kids were assholes and he's not an mm-hmm. asshole what, except for the fact that his family thinks he is and it's yeah, yeah. let's just hop into this so we open up on footage from the original, like, 1925 family opera starring Lon Chaney. This um, was a really weird monologue that never is circled back to where he's like, you know, history. Who the fuck cares? And I was like, this has really <laughs> nothing to do with no, history. No, no, it doesn't. And it doesn't even make sense with the rest of the movie, but okay. Basically, it's just the his- the history of this movie theater, which is that the town, Cotton Hills, which I actually doesn't ever think get name drop. You only see it on, like, posters and stuff. Had a movie theater that opened up in 1925. Its first film was The Phantom of the Opera. And it was super great. Everybody loved that movie theater. But then... Then something, they demolished it. They demolished it for no oh, apparent reason. This thing, this thing fucking blew up. Yeah, they blew also, it up. Also, as they show that explosion, Dylan, that fucking Dark Knight level explosion of that movie theater, <laughs> they then, uh, over the top, he's going, and they say, like, the, one of the guys still li- survived the explosion. I'm like, no, he didn't. I'm like, <laughs> no, no one survived that. No there were survived. no survivors. Although I will I will say, it is better than the Phantom of the Opera, the musical's origin, where he just found an opera house and was like, this is mine now. <laughs> There's someone was inside when it was exploded, like apparently survived. Forty stories and, down, <laughs> and then they built. Yeah, because there's yeah. a lot of sub levels to this place, and then oh. they built the new multiplex on top of it, and now he haunts it as the Phantom of the Multiplex. Is just a general Megaplex. legend. Megaplex. Megaplex. Jesus, me. get it right. Christ. So that's just the general kind of legend, and then we meet our main character, whose name is Pete. Uh, Pete Riley. Uh, he is the assistant manager of this movie theater, and I am. He's seventeen years old, and I was like. 
I would yes, never put the, oh, a I'm going to have so many comments on this. Also, <laughs> the, the chain, the hierarchy chain of different levels of management within this movie theater is absurd. It's absurd. Yeah, it's insane. It's, uh, it's, it's like different levels of knighthood. I can't keep people's titles straight. And also, like, it is apparently an incredibly sought-after position. Any sort mm-hmm. of management in this um, megaplex is incredibly sought-after. And after. it comes with a lot of authority. Like, I was expecting yes. to whip out a badge at some point and be like, assistant manager. Well, I thought, <laughs> no, when he said I'm the assistant manager, I was like, oh, you're 17. That means nothing. No. It apparently means a great he runs deal. It. He runs <laughs> He's basically running this movie theater. Yeah. So what he's doing is he's setting up, he's like, we've got, this is also an insane start set up for the film, is that this, this like, you know, small town megaplex, the owner of the whole chain, Mr. Nadermeyer, convinced... Oh, um, you mean Wolfgang Nadermeyer, the best <laughs> name of all time? <laughs> no, this, this movie, okay, yeah, let's, we're about to get into it anyway. The names in this movie are either the most generic. Karen? Or the, Wolfgang the, Niedermeyer. Or the most, like, comic book level superhero supervillain, where it's like, what, like, where did you get these? But, like, he, Nadermeyer convinced some Hollywood director, or whatever, to premiere his movie at this small town theater. There so, wasn't a whole other layer to that that you missed, that the f- movie was shot in Cotton Hills, so now they're doing the premiere here? Oh, I didn't think about that. It was shot there, and their lead actress was also from From there. there. She grew up with that movie theater. I was like, oh, so there's a fuck ton of ties to this this shithole. (laughs) There's a shithole town of Cotton Hills. So there was multi-reasons, multi- layered reasons why they were having the premiere there. But I'm going to say something fucking crazy. I don't know like what the cash flow situation is in this movie theater. Why did they need to have it open for a full day of normal <laughs> screenings when they were hosting a premiere there? Yeah. Shut it down early. Well, I, I got the opinion. I got the take that this Niedermeyer guy is gives very unrealistic demands because he basically told a small town movie theater, I need you to plan a movie, a, like a Hollywood style movie premiere, despite the fact that none of, no one here is equipped to handle that. And like, you don't know what and you're doing. And you also must remain running yes. up until we show up. Exactly. Yes. Cause he's just like, well, you, I'm still going to make that money. Like, obviously. Um, and the movie, by the way, is called Midnight Mayhem. And it's just, they use the Jurassic Park font, which mm-hmm. I thought was really funny. And there's like a picture of a dinosaur. So I was like, wait, is it actually like supposed to be knockoff Jurassic Park? Not really. There's like a monster called like the Midnight Monster or something like that who can like trap people in buildings. I don't know what's going on with it. It's not that important, but it's just weird. But so he kind of gives us a breakdown like, yeah, I'm the assistant manager There's a here. lot of exposition here. There's so much. And a- he looks like a young less haggard. I, he reminds me of Hayden Christensen. I don't know if anybody else got that vibe. Yeah, I, right? yeah, I actually, I, I, I see that too. Way, way baggier, like early aughts, like classic, dis, like yes. decom, like the button down with the t-shirt beneath and way too huge khaki pants. Exactly. And like and a blonde white new or like frosted tips, but but he has yeah. like a Hayden Christensen, not Hayden Christensen now little Italy where he looks like he's been beaten like a sack of old meat. No. But like back like when attack he was of the cute clones. and younger. Like yes, attack of the clones. Yeah. Yeah. There we go. Yeah, I, I get that vibe. <laughs> um but yeah, he's like, I'm the assistant manager. My mom says I work too hard at it. But I just, you know... I'm, Why are we bagging on this kid for having goals? They always do. It's the through line of this film. Like, the arc that this kid goes on, and I hesitate to call it an arc because it's so uh, told and not shown. Like, it's so, like, people's just like, you've realized that, like, it's not all about making money. But this kid is just like, uh, no, I'm out here making that paper, and, like, I'm good at what I do, and I like doing it. So what, I've not... Yeah, he loves, he loves his job. Yeah. He loves what he does in the summers like he likes it he's making some money he's also frankly has really good like 
experience and like he's literally running a movie theater yeah he's and dealing with the movie job. premiere i would be I would, so proud of i would guy. love to see i would love to see that kid's common app like all I they mean, needed to do to make that make sense though would i don't know what in screenwriting terms like when you tr- are trying to show like why they're a good person it's called like the stay of the cat moment i don't know what the reverse of that is but they needed like th- if they had just done a reverse a murder the cat a murder the cat skin the cat <laughs> like where if where he like forgot to pick up his little sister at school or something because he was working too hard if they had just done a beat like that to show how it, it was in any way, because right now he seems to be firing on all cylinders. He seems to be doing great. He's crushing it. <laughs> no other part of his life seems to be suffering. He seems to be doing just fine. And I even wrote down, I was like, I don't remember him being like such a hard worker. And this is a very endearing quality in a main character. Yeah. But you're right. Yeah, the Ma's like, I don't know, you know, I don't know what you're doing. And the sister's like, you're such a hardo. And I was like, <laughs> Jesus, give yeah, him we'll a get, fucking break. We'll get break. into it more later. Right now we get busy. Also, I don't see you contributing to this family, Karen. Yeah. <laughs> Brian is. Brian's mowing the fucking lawn. <laughs> <laughs> Brian's like seven. That mower was bigger than him. Uh, yeah, Brian is a whole thing. He's a whole ball of wax. How old were those two young I, 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 It's impossible. Uh, Emma, you just time. asked the million she's, dollar question. She's, she's at least 13 because they're going to no, see No, she's not. She's bullshit. She's 11. At best, that girl is 11 and she's running an open flame stove while the mom is in the fucking shower. <laughs> I'm like, at this point, just give him a brick for the gas pedal let them drive themselves in the movies. These kids are fucking <laughs> autonomous. Give them some in a tent trench coat and they're good to go. I literally could not make heads or tails of how old those kids are supposed to be. Um, but before we meet them, so we we're get, we get a breakdown of everyone in the movie theater. We start off with the head manager. Which we don't necessarily need no. all of these nicknames. Well, the, okay, disagree well, or agree. Well, well, here's the thing, right? Is I At first I was like, oh gosh, this is so stupid and corny. Like, that everybody who works here has a nickname, pretty much. But, like, as it went out, I was kind of, like, I think it kind of adds to, like, the charm. And I was, like, I'm looking forward to see these, like, characters interact and play out. They barely show that's up That's what I'm saying. That's, that's, I th- actually thought the name thing was funny. Yeah. But they needed to use it They more. don't use it. I think they use Scary Terry a good amount. Because, like, every five minutes, she would, she would come up with something. They, they, the biggest ones they use are Scary Terry and Question Mark, which is fucking hilarious. I wanted more Question, question Mark. Yeah, I wanted more Question that Mark. That was fucking hilarious. That's good. Yeah, let's break it down. <laughs> so, like, yeah, they're setting up the stuff for the premiere, and Ricky comes around and being like, we need to all live with our legs and do it this, otherwise we're all going to get hurt. Do they, don't they introduce the older guy, the only adult? Oh, yeah, sorry, I missed, I, I blew right past him. Yeah, we meet the head manager who is, gosh. He is, is he the head manager? He's who he's. He's, doesn't he want to be promoted to the actual? Well, no, he's the manager and Pete's the assistant manager, I guess, is what it is. But then there's, like, the regional manager position is what he wants. Okay. Yeah, they also say the term senior manager and... I think even general manager at one point. <laughs> There's a lot, There's I a lot of management positions I will say the leveling process here. and job ladder of this megaplex is absolutely fucked and they need a proper HR department because those are four different things. True. And his name, well, his name is Sean McGibbon. He doesn't get a cool nickname, which I was kind of bummed about. But what's weird is they still haven't come up as saying AKA, so it says Sean, AKA Sean. It was so weird. It was, yeah, it was literally AKA his name. Yeah, it was, and I was like, why are we doing this? And I but thought that was supposed to be a joke, but you would need to do that at the end for that joke to Exactly. Learn. Because then we go into the one where it's like Ricky and he's like, live with our legs, the rest we're getting hernias. And it's like, Ricky rules. If there's a procedure for it, he knows it and he's going to follow it. Then it's, then it's Mark Jeffries who is... No, Chris. no, it's Scary Terry is next. Oh, Scary Terry is next. Scary Terry who's like a girl. She got like a red swipe in her hair and she's always like... Punk-ish looking. She's like, I heard about this yeah. one time that people lifted and then they all like bled from internally. She's always got a 
horror story to tell you about that'll freak you out. And then it's question nope, mark. No, is she? What is question? Is he the last? He's, one? he's there's I three. Mark that I think three it's that rhyme, no, it's Hillary. Then, I think it's Hillary Honey. Hillary Honey. I thought she was last. Because that's what makes question mark funny. That's what makes us a land because it's the one that doesn't rhyme. And then you think about it, and it's a pun. Okay. Uh, yeah, Hillary Honey, which Cheryl thinks she's like he, she's like a grandma who's a teenager. She always says sweetie and cutie pie and like, she's like oh, that's so great. What a great day. Yeah. Man. She's just sweet. And then question mark Mark Jeffries, who whenever you give him a an instruction, he responds the question where he's like all right uh mark sweep this up and he's like with this broom and then he's mm, like yes. yes i honestly <laughs> thought that was the funniest one because i know people like that and people i've worked with people like that where they respond to everything with a fucking like clarifying question and it's so infuriating it, it, and you can see pete who actually is a really great manager and like really like it actually like works to these kids strengths every time fucking mark walks on the screen his eyes like flare up he's like this fucking guy again it, it, it made me nervous because i know i used to be that kid who was always like oh like like i always just want a clarification to make sure i did it right because i'm such a socially anxious person and i've gotten over that a little bit but it definitely i was like ah oh, question mark i knew you i was you <laughs> we're not so different you and i i loved every second when he was on the screen he was yeah funny. i wanted I more of him funny. i wanted more of him i want like and he shows up sometimes and doesn't ask a question and, and I, I was like when you that, are on screen you need to ask a question yeah that gag was funny and i could have they could have even hammered it home harder then we meet the the guy in charge of the projection who's or racy lacy Oh, Ray, of course, Racy Lacey. Who's really speedy. Yeah, she does everything super fast, and she's like, uh, hey, I just did all this, what can I do next? What can I, like, and he's like, why walk when you can run, Racy Lacey? Which, by the way, sounds like a burlesque name. Yeah, like, it does Racy like Lacey. Well, speaking, speaking of burlesque, but I, we'll get into that later, I yeah, guess. Yeah, true. Speaking of burlesque. Oh, yeah, there's a burlesque call out at some point, I think. Yeah, do you know what I'm talking about? We can get into it later. Well, yeah, I'll yeah, save yeah. it for later, because I um, missed it, I guess. But yeah, Racy Lacey, then we meet Merle. And this is where that gag is effective, where they go Merle, aka Merle. Yes, which makes, which is funny. And then we meet the best character, who is Mason, aka Movie Mason, who is played by Mickey Rooney. Rest in peace. How the fuck did they get him to do this movie? Because Mickey Rooney will do anything. He's like, <laughs> but he's done like so much, just every all over the place. I acting. also correct me if I'm wrong. Did he die like minutes after they re- yelled rap? Like, no, no, he died how? only recently. Jesus, like uh, he looks. <laughs> he died. He, he made it into the 2010s. I literally did. He really? He yeah, must have been on his deathbed Good immediately after this movie. Well, Emma, he he had to walk up 40 flights of stairs every fucking day. <laughs> Mickey Rooney. Did you also notice at the end, Dylan? Um, there Mickey Rooney died in 2014. Okay, they don't do a lot of later. wide wide shots of him. Like it's all it's all shot from like chest up, and he's I also like looking about. up. Do you know what I'm talking about? Because there's a scene where he's talking to Sean, and he needs to lean back to like talk to him and it makes him look insane that he's just like yes I'm yes okay so they but they shoot him from chest up but then also they do one very wide shot at the end and he's wearing what is that like orthodontic footwear with a suit like he's in a full (laughs) suit and then there's like those old people orthodontic shoes like he clearly needed those to be able I think you're looking for the word orthopedic orthodontic orthodontic is (laughs) (laughs) you know what I mean um but we when we first meet movie Mason who becomes the best character He's introduced to us as the saddest man alive. Like, I cannot imagine a sadder People than... treat like shit. Yeah, well, I mean, to be fair, he's clearly very delusional. This Except gentleman. Ryan and Karen. Oh, well, no, it's everybody... Well, that's the thing. I, I would say Sean treats him like shit. But this town apparently loves Movie Mason. Yeah, like, Sean mainly. Yeah, like, he could run for and mayor in this town. And that fucking Italian-American ticket taker. <laughs> 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 Why did we never 
ever get introduced to that guy? And he had so many lives. I think he had more screen time than Hillary Honey almost. Literally. And he's just shitting on Movie Mason. And I'm like, shut up, dude. Um, and also, I don't know if he's Italian-American, but he read that way to me. <laughs> but, so his whole thing is that his family owned the movie theater that went up before the, the Megaplex. And uh, now that the Megaplex is... Megaplex is taking its place, he kind of had trouble letting go. So he shows up to the Megaplex every day to work. He, like, writes up his own work schedule and gives it to the manager, and then the manager just throws it away because he's a delusional man who doesn't work here. And it's like, that's so sad. sad. Just let him pretend he works there. What the fuck is... Yeah. What, no skin off your nose. Your whole theater is run by children. You can't have one older dude. Well, literally, I, that is the other thing I did want to point out, is that when we do the rundown of this fucking workforce there are two adults mm-hmm. the ad that whatever the projectionist to the, the regional manager. manager and a projectionist everyone else is a child yes a which child. again goes back we can get into it but like i get in decoms they a lot of times don't like show kids at school or or kids go to like high school for like homeroom and then leave for the day you know but like the, i guess this is summer but what happens when all these kids are in school in the fall this oh, movie theater is literally Sean. That's why no they. One else. Yeah, th- that movie theater shuts down. This is the three month long thing. That's yeah, the why they can't shut down for all. It's in operation, which is the three months of the summer. Otherwise, he has the run of the place. They have no permanent employees. None. 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 Uh, they all are part time and and under child labor laws, which means they can only work so many hours a week. So not according. Not if you ask Sean. Uh, um, so then Pete, he's giving us this whole intro monologue over all the footage, and he's like, "I'm not only rushing and all excited tonight, uh, right now." about the premiere, but it's because there's a girl coming that I invited. Her name is Caitlin Carradine. And I didn't even know she had a last name. Yes. And I got her passes to, I got her tickets to a movie before and then passes to the premiere. But don't worry. It's not just her. It's <laughs> my favorite character, her fucking friend Lisa, who is also there for <laughs> no fucking there. reason. And also, like, I get, we were talking about this before and I get what you're saying, like, it wasn't a date because, like, he was working, but it's so weird how she is in every shot Right, like, like they cannot have a like, conversation without Lisa and her thick ass eyebrows being like right in frame with them. I'm like, give them a moment, like, give them a sec, Lisa. Like, let them have a sec. If we're really talking about people who don't want to give give them a sec, we're going to talk about Donnie a little bit later. Oh, who, oh who, my who god, begs a lot of discussion. But more importantly, so yeah, everyone's kind of running around trying to do their thing, like, and scrambling. Like, I was immediately stressed. Like, I was stressed. I'm like, he. Oh, is the tension's more, palpable. He, I'm like, he is running this movie theater that is showing. Showing 400 movies an hour, apparently, mm-hmm. and they're not going to give him a second to shut it down for this premiere that he's planning. And then also, on top of that, he's booked himself some sort of weird date. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, you have too many balls in the air, sir. Yeah, but he's he's juggling them well. I got that's he, true. He wears the stress well. But yeah, so they're all struggling and like they're all running around getting everything ready. And it's like early in the morning right now. And so Sean calls them all together, being like, "All right, guys, we've been asked and apologized." I will also say Sean as like the only adult aside from Merle, who we don't see that much. Uh, his actor actually does a pretty good job. He kind of just like goes for it and is just like, "Yep, yeah, fun TV kids movie. I'm just gonna like have as much fun as I can up there." And I feel that, and I mm-hmm. appreciate his actor's work. But so he is like, "I need us operating 100." Mr. Niedermeyer is counting on us. We're gonna do it. They also say that he like idolizes Mr. Niedermeyer because yes. he's like the head of the it's CEO. His idol. And there's a lot of like quotables that he pulls out of his ass about that are attributed to Niedermeyer. Yeah, where it's like um, a smile when you greet brings him back in the seat or something like that. You know. Oh, throughout the whole film, there are these yeah really odd liners like, that aphorisms. like aphorisms. 
Yeah, Sean likes saying that Pete also likes to say a ton. Throughout the whole film, they and, say something. But they're like that. all attributed to Wolfgang Niedermeyer. All yes. of them are Wolfgangs, yes. And so, as he's saying that, he gets a phone call from Niedermeyer. Being like, oh, yes, Mr. Niemeyer, everything's going great, we're all ready. This was really obvious, and I don't know why they did this right at the top. It was a little much for me. It's a weird storytelling choice. Like, I would have at least kept this phone call more vague. Or put it later. Yeah. The only only thing I would say, yeah, aside from this, like, (laughs) this phone call being a huge foreshadowing and stuff, is if you're Niedermeyer, why do you fucking tell the guy, like, who's running your biggest premiere that he didn't get the job to possibly, like, piss him off? Literally hours before, like... Dude, read the fucking room. Well, no, Say that until tomorrow. tomorrow. Yeah. No, no, no. no. Yeah. You guys are both so wrong. Because you're missing on the most important <laughs> point. Is that Niedermeyer sucks. He's a terrible boss. Uh, okay, guys. He's a terrible also, CEO. <laughs> can you guys clear something up for me? Because I actually were around it a few, a few times. This call that he has is him telling Sean. Sean, he didn't get promoted. That he didn't get promoted because he's... Giving the job to his son-in-law? Yes. Son-in-law. Yeah. It was a crazy last name. That is <laughs> what I have to talk about. Later, we then see a different phone call with Niedermeyer where they are, like, talking about, I guess, the premiere. And he goes, okay, yes, you and LaMonica. LaMonica, La Monica, yeah. And I'm like... I assumed that was a woman. Oh, the whole film, I ca- I thought he kept saying Monica. I, yeah, I, I thought was that so was a woman. And then at the very end, we figure, La- is LaMonica his son-in-law? Yeah, it's his son-in-law's last name. That was not fucking clear, okay? <laughs> I, I I picked up on it because I had the subtitles on, so when they started calling him LaMonica, it showed up. I thought he was talking about someone named Monica. But yeah, Sean didn't get this big promotion he's been angling for, and but he does, he like kind of has a moment of like, hmm, all right, well, I don't have time to process that feelings. Pete, yeah, Pete kind of picks up some slack for him and is just like, all right, everybody, go home, get geared up for tonight. We're going to do it. It's going to be great. Yeah, but also this is where Sean goes... Uh, you know, you're a good man, Pete. If anything does go oh, wrong, yeah. I'm fully prepared to blame, blame you. you. And I'm like, you're gonna blame a child. Yeah, well, I was How expecting him to go? come back. I was expecting him to be like, oh no, if something goes wrong, it's my ass. But Pete's never, Pete's just out there handling shit. But no, yeah, it's, Sean's ready to throw him under the bus. Which, like, honestly, he's a 17-year-old. This isn't his life. This is Sean's life. That's like, true, I yeah. honestly throw him under the he bus. He can come back from this. He can come back from this. This is just, as Dylan said, this is just for his common app. This is not, <laughs> isn't it, Sean might have a family. We don't know. Uh, I don't think so. I don't, I don't, I don't think he has a family. Um, I'm pretty confident he's a virgin, but I didn't want to say <laughs> it. Yeah, I think you're right about yeah, that one. Yeah, yeah. Um, but so... He go, Pete goes home, and so here's the thing, audience. This scene has all the energy of like some of the scenes in. Brink. His vintage car is so cool. Yeah, his, wait, did you see that car? Yeah, he has like a convertible VW Bug. It's, it's fucking it's, sick. It's pretty cool, and he's like, man, they want girls, want people with a cool car. I'm like, you can have a cool car. That's a cool car. That was the coolest car I've seen, ever seen in a decom. It was vintage as shit. Yeah, people love right. that nowadays. It was an all white convertible VW Bug. I'm pretty sure. I was like, that's yeah, the sickest thing I've ever seen. It was cool, but yeah, he. He goes home and like what I say so this scene has all the energy of some of those scenes in like Brink and maybe some other ones like Smart House or something where it's just kind of like you can tell that nothing important is really going on with the family like it's just kind of there to kind of give some view into this character's world that's not what this is we are about to meet our co-protagonists which are Tara this and Brian scene was crazy it's just else write that down oh, that this everything that they say goes from crazy to crazy everything that the mom and kids touch are basically crazy <laughs> it's basically crazy this family 
has a really deranged dynamic. Mm -hmm. And mainly that the mom doesn't seem to do a whole lot with these kids. No. These kids are, as I said before, up top, incredibly self-sufficient. My first note... All they, all they want to do is go to the movie. My Emma. first note is that, like, yeah, the, the movies have raised these children. The mom <laughs> is out getting fucked by George, or whatever his name is, getting dicked down by that guy. But, so my first note is the daughter, Karen. Mm -hmm. I was like, she is very beautiful. She's very striking looking. Okay. And I remembered her from the Inspector Gadget direct. I was, I was literally about to say. Do you remember that movie? Yes, I was literally going to say Inspector Gadget and two. fucking like Airbud 3. Yes, that's the, like the third Airbud. You're right. The third Airbud. Yeah. I like something about her face. I was like, I, uh, this place has known magic. Like, I, you're taking me I was like, you're taking <laughs> me back. And then I looked it up and I was like, you're right. It's like, it's like three of the Airbud sequels and, and fucking Inspector Gadget. And I was like, God damn it. That's what she's from when she's a little bit older. But I was like, wow, she's a really beautiful, like, um, striking looking person. But then I started listening to the conversation where the mom's like, yeah, so you got to watch your, your, your younger brother, Brian, who's mowing the lawn currently and looks to be about seven. And I looked to myself, I'm like, she looks too young to be babysitting him. I'm like, are she leaving these two kids? She looks like 11. Because, yeah, they're having this conversation. Um, The mom's like gardening. <laughs> and he comes home and it's like, hey, everybody, what's up? And she's like, Karen's all mad because she wants to go to see a movie called uh, Col University, University, of of University of Death. University of Death. I, yeah, let's talk. We touched on it already. Every, almost every movie they reference in this film is fake. And, and like, I'll There's, like, two real ones, which throws me off, yeah. because then I get confused, but they're they're all fake, and they're all insane. They're all, they're all working They're all working titles. Yes, they're, which, they're insane. Which I appreciate. I'm glad they had fun with it. My them. favorite fake movie in the whole thing is the children's movie, which is just a hot fucking dilf of a farmer <laughs> walking around a truck. Farmer Brown goes to town. That's a good one. <laughs> that was Th That's amazing. all he does. He literally goes to a few different stores, and, like, he walks around <laughs> his pickup truck eight times. Yeah, and you see him through the window sticker that's it and he's like bizarrely hot for a farmer <laughs> that was hilarious um yeah there's that one my favorite hang on i wrote it down dylan did you have a favorite i like the whatever the fucking the twister one was oh Cyclo that cyclone was, summer it, yeah that seemed to literally be the whole movie was just like uh, just a tornado, and then like the sun comes out. Oh, my yeah, other favorite one was the uh, like the fake awards bait one called "Glimpses of Genevieve." <laughs> yeah, that's a good one. <laughs> I love that one. When movie Mason's like it's been nominated for more Oscars that, than any of the last about, year's nominees. Fun fact about that one, actually, that the, the the they had to shoot, and this is my favorite thing about this movie. Actually, they had to shoot some of these fake movies. Like they had to shoot stuff Farmer for Brown. Farmer Brown. I thought they did the same thing for Glimpses of Genevieve, and I actually I had this thought when I watched it, but I was like, no, that would be insane. But then I looked up on IMDb, and it's true. The footage they use for Glimpses of Genevieve is from an obscure 1970 horror film called Alice Sweet Alice about a girl who kills people in a raincoat. And, like, she's, it's like her running up the, and down the stairs, and that's what they show all, when out, of, yeah, all out of focus for Glimpses of Genevieve. And I had that thought. I was like, that looks like that weird horror movie I, some, I know about for some reason. And it is. It's crazy. But there's that. I don't think we actually ever get to see any of Midnight Mayhem. No, we don't. My personal favorite title they drop is The Last Woodcarver. <laughs> which, yes, that was a great which, one. Which the way, not to, it doesn't sound funny, it's on its own, but in the context they gave it, it's really good. But so, Karen wants to go see this movie, and the mom's like, no, you need to watch Brian, because George and I are going out for dinner. And 
everyone, all of the kids, like, surround her is like, so he's gonna marry you, right? Why like, are they so obsessed with this mom getting fucked? They, I, they want, are. They they want, want, they, well, they want a new dad. They're they like, are obsessed with this George character. I was yeah, like, but they're actually, like, great kids and stuff. Like, because usually it'd be the opposite, do you know what I mean? Like, this yes. guy's not gonna, like, come in and take over dad's. Oh, but, yeah, like, by the these way. These kids were the exact opposite. Dead dad. Dead dad. dad. dad is so dead. And, oh, 100%. But you know what? He loved movies. And, and other than that, they're not really missing him because George is there and they love George. <laughs> I actually do agree with you, though, Dylan, because I actually am very sick of that trope of the kids hating the new yeah. father figure. So yeah. it was refreshing that they were just like, yeah, you know what, Mom? You go out and get dicked down tonight. We'll yeah, mow the lawn and Well, that's also the dinner. thing, though. <laughs> I, I think all three of the kids were like, please. Go out, get fucked, be with George all night. We want to be at the movie theater. That's true. They would live there. We will. Could. We'll fire up the stove ourselves. I actually thought. I quick spoiler alert: the end of this film is Brian talking to Movie Mason. I thought the movie was gonna end with Movie Mason giving everything to Brian, like Willy Wonka, being like, "You live in the movie theater now, Brian. Like this is your house now." But, but I also don't think Movie Mason owns. No, 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 not the movie theater itself. His 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 Phantom of the Opera esque base beneath the movie theater. Because oh. as we all said, Mickey Rooney's gonna be dying. Dying. I thought Mickey Ring was gonna die. Yeah, yeah, for some reason, like his spirit was gonna move to Brian. But not the point. But yeah, so they're like, yeah, you should totally marry George. He's great. He makes you so happy. But not and just like you should totally marry him. Like they were like, when's this fucker gonna pop the question? And they yeah. were like, stop giving them the when milk is he away. The ring on it's it? like he's not gonna buy the cow if you're giving them milk away for free, mom. Also, I think the mom, you know, we see her gardening later on. We got some, you know, some plant. Um... Oh god, I don't, I can't even get into that plant, plant analogy. I can't, I can't even get into that metaphor right now. I think the mom's got something with, like, her, you know, herbology, but... I can't get into that right now. (laughs) But the thing is, she's like, he'll propose when he's ready. And the thing about the mom, that there's a couple more scenes that we're probably gonna skip over because they're not in the grand scheme important, but, like, I cannot nail down whether or not this mom mom wants to marry him or not. I don't know. She seems kind of forced into it. She (laughs) seems like she's not ready to, to get remarried, and I'm like, that's fine, but make that clear, because, like, he also seems like he's like, well, you know, I'm trying to take it slow. And then she's like, oh, yeah, you should absolutely take it slow. And then he's like, no, screw it. I would ask you to marry me. And she's like, well, I guess. And I was like, this what? This is also the mom from Veronica Mars. I could not figure out what I knew her from. But so, like, Karen negates all this nice George talk and is like, uh, have Pete take Brian with him to work. He can see a movie. I can go see my movie. And then it's no big deal. And the mom's like, that's not the point. I just also don't want you seeing this PG-13 horror movie. But... You guys can both go see Farmer Brown tonight. He'll Pete will take you, and then we'll pick you back up. Pick you up. I also said, why is she doing this to her poor oldest son? The kid has enough fucking going on without needing to shuttle these kids on a dinner break. Well, yeah, and Pete also kind of tells her when he when she walks in the house and he's eating the largest bowl of cereal. That is so. I I wrote that out too. It's like it's a a salad. It's a decorative like salad bowl, and he's just pouring as many cornflakes as possible into it. There's also he's woken up. He's got he's got his eighteen hour shift. Thank fuck. Fucking God, he did. His dinner break gets canceled. He doesn't eat until breakfast the next day. After boning all night yeah, long. Yeah, but it was a good, it was a good breakfast. But guys, 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 the, there's a weird line. Like, this movie actually, like, doesn't have so many of these, like, the decoms where it's like, what the fuck was that? But the mom walks into the kitchen and goes, whoa, slow down, I'm not gonna steal any of your woolly mammoth meat. I was like, what the fuck? Yeah, In reference to his cereal. Yeah, cool, because he's, yeah. like, hunched over, like, just shoveling into his mouth. I thought he looked like Gollum eating from the Lord of the Rings. Like, he's just like, and he's like, I'm so hungry. I was like, how early did the movie theater have you come in? He works 20-hour days with no breaks. <laughs> he's working down. He's, he's like down. He's like, he's down at the sawmill, you know? Mm-hmm. He's like... but so, And also, the, this is another weird thing that never comes up again, where... 
he's like, oh yeah, Ricky and me were up on the roof. And then she's like, Ricky and I. And she said that to what, the daughter. She does this multiple times. Well, then we find out that George is an English teacher. Are they both English yeah. teachers? I don't know. But I was like, if you're, why are you the grammar? What if he's the I English teacher? I wrote that down and I thought for sure I missed something and no. Luke and Dylan are going to say, oh no, she's an English teacher. She says no, it. Oh no, George is. I, we don't know what she does. She gardens. I don't, like, she gardens. I don't know. Uh, but so, yeah, she says there's actually, you know what, there is a non-zero possibility that she does not work and Pete is making all of the money, money for this family. family. Like, oh, that boy works so hard. Well, so is Brian. Brian has a lance. Brian probably goes around <laughs> and mows the neighbor's like lawns and stuff for money in the mornings. Uh, and Karen's just a piece of shit. <laughs> Guys, Karen's cooking everything for the family. That's true. Okay. Yeah, them all the, dinner. yeah, Karen cooks. <laughs> the mom gardens, showers, and gets fucked. Yeah, and, and then it. goes out with George. Guys, also the other the other thing that I was trying to say was she the mom says, Oh, like that's not safe that you guys were on the fucking roof. Mm-hmm. Um, you and Ricky. And then later when we see that roof, I was like, correct. Correct. I was like, they should not be on that they roof. Actually, when they're on the roof, the ADR lion where he's like, oh, don't worry, there are guardrails. There are not <laughs> guardrails. No, 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 no. There are not guardrails. <laughs> There's not a single rail. <laughs> but like the main thing with the roof is just that she, it's her expressing her displeasure that he's working there. I and, don't like, agree with her displeasure in his hard work no. ethic. I do agree with her displeasure in this clear lack standards of child labor laws of this movie. Yes, yes, agreed. 100%. But also, at least this. But this is also where like Pete's like, do, do they really have to be at the theater? Like, mom, trying to hit tonight. Like, I, like <laughs> so are you. Like, it's I... literally like, ma, let's see eye to eye. We're both hitting tonight. Come on. <laughs> Listen, adult to adult. I, yeah. Breadwinner to <laughs> whatever the fuck you do. Gardener. <laughs> also, though, guys, I have the exact same note, Dylan. I actually kind of liked their relationship in that moment because they went over a lot. This is why I like him as a main character. I thought he was going to be a dick and be like, Mom, I fucking hate my sister. And then they're like, I don't want to take them. But he's just kind of like, oh, Mom, you know, it's kind of a big night for me. And also, like, I'm trying to get it. Trying to smash. And this is going to really create my style. And he's like, he tells his mom, I got this girl coming. I like her. And the mom seems very sympathetic. But then he's like, I don't care. Yeah, I got, listen, I got my own balls to juggle. And not in terms of George's balls. And this is also... I feel like we talked about this at length, so not to tread ground we've already treaded. When a character has a dead relative, if they actually do something with it in the story, that's great, and that's not anything we need to make fun of. But when they do this, where they kill the dad, and then they have one literal scene where it's just like, dad loved movies, huh? And they played this music. The sad yeah. music. <laughs> Guys, it's not even, that's not even the line. It's even weirder. He goes... Who love movies more than dad? And she doesn't answer the question, no. and then it cuts. And I was like, so I'm no one, I'm no. guessing, but I don't know this man. <laughs> yeah, because her argument is being like, just get them in the theater. They'll be so absorbed in the movie, they won't bother you. They're just like their father, which is also insane to me, because I assumed that meant that, like, Pete also loved movies. He which, doesn't. He do, well, he doesn't no, by the end. he doesn't end, care at all. But he he just wants, as the movie to goes quote on, him, I, he wants to get rich. Yeah, as the movie goes on, he makes it clear that if he was doing, like, he would just, he just wants a job. He's like, if this, if I had taken a job anywhere, I'd be working just as hard. Like, we never get that connective tissue to, like, what made him pick the movie theater, but then later on, he's like, I love movies too. And I was like, but, oh, Yeah, the personality okay. divide here that we're supposed to, that they, they take way too long to flesh out, really, is that Pete is just a hard worker, but he doesn't appreciate the movie magic that's all around him at the Megaplex. Yeah. 
And the two younger siblings, Karen and Brian, are very, like the dad, very into movies, quote them all the time, and are very passionate about the art form. Yeah, we should also break down. So the fact that all these movies are fake means that when they quote these movies, they have to explain what the movie is first. And they go, it's, they're so long. It's, it's like word salad. Yeah, it's like, uh, one of my personal favorites, again, The Last Woodcarver is good. There's another one which is like, Officer Bean, Talented Teen 2. It's like, this is just like an Officer Bean, Talented Teen 2. And I was just like, that's nothing that just came out of your face. <laughs> um, but so he's like, all right, fine. Yeah, you can bring him by. And then like, so we cut back to the Megaplex where the pretty much the rest of the film is going to take place. Yeah. And like, everyone's going up the escalator to go to their movie. And then movie Mason just standing down there being like, enjoy the show. Wonderful. I'm Mickey Rooney. Um, which also, why wasn't he movie Mickey? I've that, like, uh... they should have just called him that. But Movie Mason's pretty good. But, like, also, so this is where we get established that Movie Mason is, like, a public figure in this town. Yes, and Every, he's beloved. Oh, Except yeah. by he's Sean, who's a dick. Because everybody in this town goes to this movie theater, and they all know Movie Mason, and everybody loves him, and just Sean. Because, you know, when everybody likes you, there's always that one person who doesn't. He's also, like, 120. He's That's really like Everyone in this old. town and their parents and grandparents, everyone knows him. Yes, yes. Yeah, so Pete's running around, kind of getting everything ready. Is this where we get the call that no one's coming to fucking work? Oh, yes. That's yeah, what we yeah. Back in on. That was insane. So, yeah, Sean's, like, by the phone, and, like, half of everybody we saw called out sick, so it's pretty much just the nicknamed characters yes. working with a few I other I honestly don't, people. you know, I'm going to go out on a limb, and I don't think they're sick. No, no I think I they think, were murdered. I, I think, no, I think they were paid off. <laughs> Are, or murdered. It depends how unhinged the Phantom is. And then that is the catalyst for them, for Scary Terry or someone to go, yeah, like, dinner break's canceled. Not, and that's what I wrote down. They can't do that. You can't No, just you tell legally them. can't do that. And Ricky, was the, Ricky Rules yeah, says what that. What is it? Ricky Rules? Isn't he like, oh, this is a violation of, of our, our um, labor contract? Yeah. contract. <laughs> I, was like, I was like, Ricky, brother, you, you guys got, you have no union contract, let me tell you. <laughs> I did tell you, yeah, no, I, I, I was gonna wrote say, down, so, I was like, people, person of the people, union fighter, Ricky rules. You know, no, it's not even against your union contract. It's against the law. Well, it's against it's the just law. a good law. Yeah, they're super understaffed for like the biggest event the movie theater's ever had, which sucks. And then the double life slapping him in the face, Pete in the face, is who shows up at the movie theater. But <laughs> okay, guys, just a really quick note. Um, this fucking bully shows up, Donnie Holly. Do- but the, oh. he, he just calls him Holly. And I go, does yeah, this Yeah, he calls him Holly at name? first. Yes, and I was like, don't lead with Holly then. Donnie Holly and his mute black sidekick who does not get a line. <laughs> I was laughing. Maybe he and Lisa are fucking. Yeah, maybe. They, they don't speak. So he he runs into Donnie and is just like, oh, God damn it, Donnie is here. And so he has to go back. Donnie makes fun of him, you know, for working at the movie theater because Donnie's an asshole, whatever. Which What well, is their beef? Do they ever explain it? They do right here. It's the most insane thing of all time. And it's almost made, created a fan fiction in my mind. We'll get to it in a second. He says, my entire life. Everything I've ever wanted, Donnie Holly has been right there next to me going for it as well. And he always gets it because he's rich and good looking. He's rich. Okay. And, and he doesn't like, have to work. That's no, he doesn't have to work. But I just don't get, they never, what they don't explain is just why Donnie Holly is always just like, screw Pete Riley specifically. Yeah, I don't like, know. Like, I will destroy this man. It makes me think he's almost in love with Pete Riley and needs to like, bring him down to his level in some ways. Yes. Because there's a weird, like, I don't know why he's so obsessed with him. Yeah, I don't know. The, you could expand that origin. Like, maybe they were friends at some point. There's obviously something they just, like, didn't. Well, what I think it's supposed to be here for is that he's a suspect to be the Phantom 
because he's there to like mess with oh, Pete. Oh, I never even factored because they him never, in really? because they never bring it up. It's I never, never a even I never even addressed him as a suspect. No, but nobody in the film yeah, does. I like, never thought about that like, either. There's so many things that go wrong that effectively. Drag Although, Pete. do you know what would have been amazing is if at the end when they amassed the Phantom, it was his mute black friend. <laughs> that would have actually been. Or Lisa. That would have been a Boy, Lisa. plot. I kind of wanted it to be George, if I'm being quite frank. Who uh, is George? The, 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 <laughs> the stepdad who will be the stepdad. The, 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 the teacher. The boyfriend. I kind of wanted to be him. Like, that would have been so out of luck. He had some, he, yeah, he had some weird, like, the, you know, these kids shouldn't be working. They should be in school, in class. No, or he's like Movie Mason's secret child that no one knew about. Um, wow, that is too funny. <laughs> so, oh, you know, you know, throughout the years, Movie Mason had a lot of oh, kids movie, like out movie of Movie Mason's been different laying pipe around this town for years. I think the actress that shows up at the end is his daughter out I mean, of wedlock. I mean, that's a fuck I think it's a legitimate daughter. I agree. That's a fuck chamber. He was <laughs> I mean, to be fair, that is what it is in the Phantom of the Opera, yeah. too. It is. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And it's loosely based on that. 40 stories beneath, too? Uh, yeah. I think that's his own. He, he even struggles. He's like, oh, you found my uh, uh, fuck chamber hideaway. <laughs> and he, a lesser person might think that that was just Mickey Rooney having dementia and forgetting his <laughs> He closes the door that has, like, all the chains and whips in it. He's just like... Um, so... Okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Brian. Oh, those are just props. Yeah, so props. they carry with me at all times. So, he says that later. They carry props on him. So Donnie's here, and it makes Pete on edge. He's not happy about it. I think Caitlin also shows up at this point. Yeah, it's such a missed opportunity that they didn't try to frame him more as a suspect, or just have him do anything really, because he's basically in this film. For he no just was reason. such a B plot. Also, he's not a B plot. C plot or a D plot or an F plot. <laughs> but then there's like a big thing where everybody's apparently coming to this movie theater tonight and it's not for the premiere. The premiere's like after hours. No, they're just absolutely churning business right before the yeah, premiere. Yeah, to see glimpses of Gwendolyn or whatever that it was. Glimpses <laughs> of Gwendolyn. I think it was Genevieve. Of Genevieve, Genevieve. Excuse me. <laughs> and like the guy's taking tickets at this the... Italian guy. The, <laughs> <laughs> that guy. They're like... He, I recognized also from like iCarly or something. I cannot probably, remember I what know. it was. But this is the one guy that's still working at the theater that didn't get a nickname. No. Well, know. there's also there's the, the, the black ticket taker also didn't get a nickname and he has a couple of I don't know too. if Pete has a thing against minorities because like <laughs> why would he not give the Italian American and the black kid nicknames? Like it feels like a little like rude to leave them out. The point is... You know what? Fuck oh Pete, honestly. <laughs> The fact of the matter is, is that the line to get in the movie theater is really long, and the ticket takers are just going wild. They're not even looking at the tickets that they tear up. Someone could hand them like a receipt yeah, from dinner, they and they're just going like, "Yeah, sure." They're like, "They need to open up another line." I was like, "Well, there's nobody to man it." And then Movie Mason steps up, being like, "I think I can't do a Mickey Rooney impression. I can't either. No, I'm not I, gonna go it's for not it. Possible. No. I think I could be of some assistance here, Sean." Why don't you actually let me help you and like work here? And uh, but every line Mickey Rooney does is either screamed or whispered. There's no in between. <laughs> or said relatively incomprehensibly. And it's all that's, a monologue. Yeah, absolutely. But that's why I can't do it because he talks like <laughs> it's like well I'm sure Sean and it's uh but so he gives him a bow tie because everyone's now in their uniforms, which is a, you know the vest and a bow tie, a very classic movie theater attire. Um, which by the way. They actually, Caitlin apparently has a fetish for it later on, but like that was fucking weird, guys. But also, I feel I hate to say this, and I'm not trying to be me. Day works in movie theater, but it's hard to look good in that outfit. I you think look, he looks great. I no, I just you look so. 
like like no one would dress that way, you know? I it just looks weird to me. But yeah, like boyishy, nerdy, like not. I mean, yeah, if you have a vest and a bow tie on, the vest I mean, is also like flammable. Like you put that thing near an <laughs> yeah. open flame, it would go light up. It was so shiny and plastic. Uh, but yeah, so Movie Mason's taking tickets now, which is like a big deal. Yeah, He's really this excited is, about no, it. and this is where he has the line that I was talking about. He goes like, "Never have I been. I haven't been so honored since I was head usher at a burlesque show." Yes, what? That is what it is. Yeah. I missed yes. that. I I heard it say head usher, but yes, I did not he hear. You know, I remember hearing Keep in mind, Mickey here. Rooney is incomprehensible. Like, I can't understand what he's saying. And also, like, what is what do we think the over under is in that not being what was in the script? And that's what he just said. <laughs> At this point, like, I mean, look, he's Mickey Rooney. Rooney. Whatever falls out of his head, anything that comes out of this man's skull, we keep rolling. <laughs> if it seems remotely like it, there's a narrative line through it, we keep it. We keep moving. <laughs> yeah. Um, mom. The mom and George, we finally meet George. He drop they drop the kids off at the movie theater. Um, George makes a Pocahontas reference, which was really meta. Uh, Emma looks very confused by what I just said. What does he say? Do you remember what he, he says? He says, like, trust them, Pocahontas. Yes, that was fucking weird. Showing he's also, yeah, into movies and, like, gets the kids and, like, also no, no, drives was, a minivan. Well, it was also just weird because it's Disney referencing Disney, which is always uh, kind of out there. Yeah, like, that too. Like, in 33, I like that, Mermaid. though, when they commit. Like, if you're just gonna fucking commit, I want to see, like, the fox and the hound on one of the screens. Like, actually use the IP. Like, you know what I mean? Like, I don't, like, half-ass it. Yeah, play, play like, having one the theaters like Song of the South or something and just be like we're not gonna <laughs> we're not gonna apologize for anything have another theater have Inspector Gadget 2 straight to yeah, VHS that with be, the same like, yeah, have the other show all the upcoming movies <laughs> yeah yes. honestly use it that would be good so they buy their tickets and they go in and they're stuck in the line which is now not moving at all it was moving slowly but I was not moving and like Brian sneaks away to go see what's going on and Mo- Movie Mason won't let people into movies that he doesn't like like he's telling people like the ticket you he's purchased them is for a have- stinker they have to yeah. go to glimpses of Genevieve because yes. it has it's like Dylan said it it was like nominated for, for five more. Oscars yeah. and I was like ugh such an Academy Award elitist honestly Cyclone Summer looked dope so you know what <laughs> yeah I also don't get what but he wanted them also, to do like they already bought the ticket I, like, I, okay and then also though like so Brian then runs back and he's like movie Mason's taking tickets and he's not letting people into movies that he doesn't like and then Sean comes up and like I don't want to like prescribe too much on that movie Mason but like I don't believe that these people think in this movie universe that this man is all there he believes he still works at a movie theater that does not employ him am I off on no, no, here like yeah so Sean comes up and is like get a off a dick this- to this man that is we we know is not all there yeah he's a dick but also, he's 100% in the right to do this. Oh, I like, didn't believe so. I no, no, he's, he's, listen, he, uh, Sean's an asshole. I'm not saying, and no one should be being to old people like this in general, but the fact is like, listen, freaking Mickey Rooney, this is the biggest night of my life. Like, I can't have you around messing up this thing. You need to get off the premise. You do not work here. Like, Sean, I was like, honestly, yeah, Sean, get him out of there. I get it. I love him with Mason much the next guy, but you're right, but you didn't need to be a dick about it. I was I was with Sean on this. I, I get it. I definitely get it from his point of view. Yeah, it was more how he went about it, and he was like, "I'll call the police." So I was yes, like, yeah, "You're gonna call the police on one a legend and two, yeah. the poli- what are you gonna the, the say?" I show up and be like, "We can't arrest him. He's movie Mason. He's been fucking in the bowels of this building since we were." <laughs> I can't arrest movie Mason. He's my father. What? <laughs> <laughs> He's my father. <laughs> yeah. 
Sean just looks over at Mason. Jesus, man. <laughs> Who do you think your father is, Sean? <laughs> in the yeah. of this movie over 40 years. But no, I, it's what Dylan... Hang on, I need to stop the world. I'm not expecting we do this movie that we would end, that we would get to the point where we're saying that Mickey Rooney has a sex dungeon below the mega plane. I, I thought we would get there. I don't know how oh. we wouldn't. Wasn't that the subtext of this whole thing? Yeah. Oh, that is, I thought so. The phantom of the Megaplex is Mickey Rooney's dick. <laughs> <laughs> But no, I'm sorry. But what I was trying to say is what Dylan said was that obviously just give him an easier job getting him him by the ticket line, but don't threaten to fucking call the cops on him, especially keep his dick at the level of drives. Like, starting to call the police on him. And I was like, that's just ridiculous. We all know this man is harmless and is not mentally all there. I thought that was mean. It was mean. Then the kids show up. They manage to get in. Let me ask you this, guys. Have you ever seen a movie theater that has dispenser candy like this? Because I was really thrown by this. Um, I think it's a very early... That's felt very 90s to me. Like, that. you remember those used to be, like, Toys R Us? Like, those little things? I guess. I just don't feel like I've ever seen a movie theater with that. Yeah, I don't think I have, but I don't. I wasn't caught up on it. But but this leads, they, in, I didn't really but this leads into the stupidest thing that happens in the entire film. <laughs> I actually love this. I, but it's the most insane. Oh, if only because of the way the extras fall. Yeah. That well, well, okay. so Oh, my funny. God. So, well, they launch themselves. <laughs> so, like, all right. Hang on. Let's get there. So, flying! So they go, they go up into the theater... Pete meets them and is like, all right, guys, get to your seats. Let's go get you set up. And then, like, he's like, oh, wait, I got to go handle something else. And Brian's like, can I get some dispenser candy? And he goes up to, like, these tubes that have candy in it. And he goes to lift the flap and it, like, tears off. And he's like, oh, God, like, I don't know. Did I break it? But nothing happens yet. But then Donnie, that asshole, comes up and is like, oh, you broke it, kid? Here, let me help you fix it. And then just, like, smacks it and, like, all the candy pours out. And then, <laughs> yeah, like, Emma, Emma and Dylan clearly found this a lot funnier than I did. I but clearly hilarious. the director also found it really funny. Because they have extras do full-on Home Alone, like, at legs, oh, ass that's over literally, ass. literally was my note. I was like, this is Home Alone. Yeah, yeah. because <laughs> I did not make the Home Alone connection, but it is, it is like that Joe Pesci, like, where his legs... Like, they are going six feet in the air. Yeah. But, like, it's not like you are just stumbling. Because they're like little jawbreaker candies. And when you're watching on. these falls, I'm going, so that's a lawsuit. Most people are going to sue fucking Needlemeyer, Needle Dick, for everything he's worth because this man <laughs> broke his hip. They were landing There's with such force. There's lawsuits coming <laughs> out oh, of Wolf, This entire Wolf movie theater chain is getting shut down at the end of this night. Like, they're going to yes. wake up tomorrow after... Pete's going to wake up tomorrow after banging Caitlin all night. <laughs> and then be like... Well, not wake up. They were banging all night. He's going to turn on the he's gonna turn on the TV and be like, Oh, the, all of the movie theaters are just shut down after Ricky Rules launched a class action lawsuit. In their shitty motel he's fucking in that they get yeah. this free continental breakfast. He's going to turn on the tube, and yeah. <laughs> and then who, and <laughs> the theater's going to be completely yellow taped off. And then who delivers that <laughs> breakfast but movie Mason? By, me, like, by the way, good bone in there, son. I was watching <laughs> this is my old room. My, I have cameras everywhere. Everything's a movie to me. God, that's how he got the name Movie Mason. Yeah. So, yeah, everyone falls. And then Pete. Oh, yeah. What he has to go run off, he has to go talk to Caitlin for like five seconds, but then he has to go run and fix this. And what... He does. The absolute mad lad. There's a uh, there's a poster for another. This is also a good fake movie. What is it? It's like... The hockey one? It's like Power, Pe- Power Penguins 4, Power Play or something like that. Or It's a hockey oh, pe- oh, penguin movie. Was this the one that um, when Karen and Brian were making... Yes, they make a the deal. They were making oh, yeah, a deal, deal. And Karen's like, oh, I'll take you to see, yeah, whatever the fuck that is next weekend. Yeah, because Karen... We saw this at home. Thank you for reminding me. Has her own plan where she's going to go take... 
Brian to Farmer Brown, but then just set him down and then go sneak also, out. Also, her, her two friends kind of seem like bitches. Oh, the one was I a think, massive well, bitch. I think all of these girls yeah. hate each other. I then, think none of them are actually I thought friends. that was actually very true to life of being a 13-year-old girl. Oh, absolutely. Like, when I your did friend too. is just a massive cunt to you for no reason. <laughs> yeah. I was like, what the <laughs> I fuck? I didn't expect you to go to the top shelf with that language, but, <laughs> but okay. I, I mean, her friend that, like, yelled out, like, I'm Karen, whatever, like... Yes. That you girl know. was awful. I think all of these girls are trying to destroy each other. I just like, you're missing the whole fucking movie. I'm like, relax, Aubrey. Like, I don't know what you're, what you put, that, well, I don't know. She was just dri- driving me nuts. But she's basically. Was that I'm sensitive, Aubrey? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. But, I thought her name was Aubrey. Maybe it's. No, I don't know. Um, but basically they were, she's going to put Brian in his seat, leave her jacket there, and then run into the. PG-13 University of Death with her friends. I want to talk about something that we haven't touched on yet. Well, save the cinema sitters. The save, cinema save the cinema sitters. Oh my god. We'll get there in a second. I, what is yeah. the We'll get there in a second. And we'll get there in a second. We're in the middle. We can't keep jumping around to things. We gotta try and maintain some plot. Um, also, yeah, this the, the scene where they're working on that deal is when she's making macaroni and the mom just comes out in a towel being like, what's going on? I don't care. She's letting this 11-year-old child run a stove while she's in the shower. Yeah. But so, what Pete does... To solve this candy everywhere issue is there's this poster for Power Penguins, whatever, hockey, Penguins playing hockey. And it has, of course, an actual hockey stick because that's just how movie posters work. The sets to promo these fake movies (laughs) in the middle of the hallways were massive and elaborate. Yeah, the the giant fan is the craziest one, which is for the premiere, which makes no sense. Oh, we'll get get to that later. But so he grabs the hockey stick, he grabs a custodian's trash basket, lays it on its side, grabs it, and just starts freaking slamming it into the ground to hit all of, like, the gumballs. I thought this was cool. But get a broom, Pete! You get a He's broom. Flexing the glue. Caitlin and Lisa are right there. But Emma, there's so much candy. It would take him two goddamn know, hours I know, to do it that I way. Know. Yeah, but also like people were like all pissed and angry. Like this brought everyone together. They were like, oh, like this guy's a hero. He puts on a show. Everyone's like, woo, yeah, yeah, yeah score that goal. It's insane that it just it just comes out of nowhere. So yeah, friggin' uh, Karen. Uh, Oh, also, Karen has a good line before he goes, like, because he's drooling over Caitlyn. And she's like, you know, the girls don't like what he drool. And he's like, grow up. And then she goes, I'm trying. Mom won't let me. That was a good line. Yeah, I did like that. I was like, that is so good. It's a good line. So true. (laughs) And then Karen gets Brian set up in the Farmer Brown Theater and is like, all right, you know, if you want your 10 bucks in your candy bar that we agreed on next weekend, just stay here. Don't go anywhere. It's all gonna, everything's gonna work out. And forget Brian turns cold on her. He's like, would you shut up? I'm here to see a movie. I can see you anytime. He really does just absolutely, like, put her on blast. He does. And it's awesome. But this is why I said that her friends were bitches, because they literally, like, she runs into the movie theater next to her friend, or the friends waiting outside Mm -hmm. in the theater, like, waiting for them to go in. This is the one that I think is a bitch. And she's like, hey, sorry. And she goes, um, where were you? You basically, you're gonna, we're gonna miss the movie. And I go, First of all, we all know there's going to be previews. She's not going to miss the movie. It's true. And then she goes, oh, it's so-and-so going to say this. She goes, I fucking hope so. Like, she's so mean to her. She's like, I hope so. Based on your lateness. She goes, sorry, I had to, like, get my brother settled. And the girl is so mean to her. Sorry, I don't know if we were in the same movie theater, but there was, like, three large-scale disasters on the way in. There was a gumball thing, the line. Like, I'm like, like, yeah, she has a good reason for being late. Shut the fuck up. True. But uh, also, Emma, we can get into this here. What she says before she leaves, Brian, is you better not get anywhere or I'll tell the cinema center. What are these? <laughs> oh. So they, oh, they mentioned Lord. this while yeah. they were at home briefly. And I thought there was, that was just like a fun term they had come up for like when the employee from the movie theater like pops their head in. No, it's an, we then see. It's a grandmother. We see an old woman with a vest that says cinema center on the back. 
which I would have preferred if it was like athletic shorts that had it on the butt. That would have been funny. She is like walking around and she's just like, oh, and she goes gets like something from the friggin' staff office or something. But it's like, this is an actual position you How fit. is I the town has adapted and started a program for cine, cinema sitting so that parents don't have to watch their own fucking children? Yeah, maybe oh maybe that's what it is. Maybe it's just a thing that they do in the kids' movies. That's what I was I just assumed. No, but she was also patrolling the halls. Or I making just... sure that no one's jumping from theater to theater. Yeah, but that's just what employees do anyway. So when I remember the very first time I watched this, my thought was, oh, this is like, this is some old lady that goes into like rated R movies and makes sure there's not like kids in there or something. Yeah, 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 yeah. But, that but that's like sense. not, that's not what it is. I don't understand the powers this woman and has. And I also remembered this movie thinking that I thought we were supposed to be scared of the cinema sitters because Karen wasn't supposed to be in that movie, but is she 13? Can she be there? She says, I, I assume, she's like, yeah, I told her it was PG-13, so it's fine, I think she says at one point. Like, I, I was like, I was like, could she feasibly get kicked out? I think it's more that she's leaving a child unattended, maybe. That she's le- oh, God, leaving, oh, okay, Brian okay. unattended? I'm not sure. But the fact that they were just like, yeah, you know, a cinema center, and I was like, no, what? I, d- I, don't I don't know. know. And then Pete has caught up with Caitlin and is, like, sitting in the front row of the theater. She's in, like, flirting with her. And it's very... Oh, yeah. He's putting the moves on. Yeah. Hard. It's hard. It's very awkward Disney Channel flirting. But She's they, really into that bow tie. She has a fetish mm-hmm. for the the movie theater clothes. I don't know what it is. And that's when Lisa goes, he's like, oh, like, really? Like, thinking that she's kidding. And Lisa's like, no, she's a fucking freak. She's into uh, that she, bow She's tie. like, she wants you to come home smelling Lisa's, every night like popcorn. Lisa's she's like, she said it to me multiple times. She wants you to wear the bow tie and nothing else. <laughs> No, the best. The she wants the you best. rub, yeah, rub butter all <laughs> over. <laughs> Ew. Um, and they also then this is when he's kind of like flexing on them because he's like, yeah, yeah. you basically run this place. Honestly, not that much of a flex. He is basically running the place yeah. top to bottom. But he's like, I kind of run this place. Like, if you, I can like hook you up with the premiere if you want like seats and you want to meet. Who is the celebrities? I don't remember. Oh, the they also have seen, like it's like Ashley Metz and like Jacob Johnson, Ma- Madison Ashley Metz, and then Jake Jesse Johnson, Jacob or, Johnson, I think. And so it's like, yeah. If you want to like meet the celebs like i can hook you up and like then there is a line where caitlin goes and it is the weirdest phrase i've I've never heard this she goes how raw would that be if we got a picture with jacob jesse (laughs) johnson and i was like what did she just say well she wants it raw emma that's clearly she's got plans that it was that's exactly what she was hinting at to people the only thing that's gonna be between them it it was a a layer of butter give it to me Give it to me movie Mason style. <laughs> and that means 40 stories down and a camera recording. Also, yeah. like, they, also the bow tie foreplay is so wild. Like, you could cut the tension with a butter knife. Like, when he's, she's like, here, like, he takes off his bow tie and puts it on her in this, like, sexy little dance. Oh, it's absolutely a sexy little dance. Um, but who come, who cuts into that sexy little dance? But Donnie. Donnie Holly. Donnie Holly, who just jumps over, like, the seat being like, Oh, hey, Pete. Uh, and, like, puts his arm around Caitlin immediately, despite the fact that she is very clearly open for business and he is very yeah. six to midnight about them each other. Like, there's this weird... We also saw him, like, walk away with her. Like, there's this weird, like, 
who's she gonna choose? But she's she very into every me. time Donnie shows up, she's just like ugh. Like, but I, it's weird. Like, but Donnie's like, hey, someone's looking for you. Something about like the popcorn machine going crazy, and he runs out to the concession stand, and like the popcorn machine's just full of popcorn, and everyone's like, we only put in the normal amount. I don't get how this happened. The switch turned off won't work, and he's just like, guys, and he just, and he unplugs, he just it. unplugs it. Everyone else needs to step it up. Pete ceiling with fucking amateurs. And this is and this is and this is where this is the first failing of question mark is Ricky rules goes why didn't we think of that I was like have question mark oh he's right there but so he solves this popcorn issue and then he's like what's going on why couldn't you got why didn't you guys find Sean and they're like no one knows where Sean is and Mr. Nadermeyer keeps calling like every five minutes looking keep, for him and looking for him mind. and like checking up on tonight making sure it's all good because again he's a shitty shitty boss and is micromanaging the hell out of this thing and he's like no one knows where Sean is and he's just like okay all right everyone just keep doing the best you can I'll get this all figured out. And then I think like Lacey or somebody comes up and is like, Pete, emergency number two. She pulls him into a theater where they're showing glimpses of Genevieve. And it's all like out of focus and like flickering and you can't see it, like what's going on. And this is where we realize not, there was also a little bit in the line, but really here, that everyone in this town are rabid goddamn animals. They are so rude. They are so like, they, because they, Peter walks out being like, hey guys, really sorry, we're gonna get this sorted out, we'll start the movie over again, if you, if you like, can't make that work or whatever, we'll give you a full refund or a ticket to come back, don't worry about it, and people just start legit, like, throwing They're things. throwing things and so, throwing shit at him. Yeah, like, and I was just like, Jesus, guys, people, it's not relax. his fault, like, I get that you're yeah. frustrated. This is a child running a movie theater in a, hu- in a, in a world premiere. Also, they're throwing, the, the, you see grown men throwing, like, peanuts also, at him, like, also, he's a circus elephant. Also, I don't know if you guys have been in a movie theater when something technically goes wrong. I have never, never seen, seen this reaction. I've never seen anyone, not one person ever not stand, close to stand up and get angry. Like, everyone just kind of looks at each other like, what's They start, like, going? booing him. They're like, they boo. Just, everyone's furious. Every time I've been in a movie theater and there's a technical issue, everyone's just like, what's going on? Like, and you would think, like, an adult, like, would then look at, like, the person that's coming out to help being 17 mm-hmm. and be like, all right, let's give this yeah, kid a break. Th- they double down. There's actually a scene where someone <laughs> goes and gets Lacey, which is what you do. You'd be like, hey, there's something going on yeah. in the theater, which is normal. But then he walks in and it's, like, freaking, and- ah! <laughs> Oh, it's a riot. Oh, yeah. It's a full-on riot. So he goes up into the booth with like Merle to try and figure out like what's going wrong and fix it. And this is where Brian. That's like, where the fuck is Merle? And then they were like, he's in the wind too at certain. Right, because there's no. He's the only projectionist there. Every other projectionist is gone and sick or whatever. So he's between every bouncing around between all the booths. And this is where Brian inserts himself in the narrative, being like, "It was the Phantom." So yes, yes, of the Megaplex, like the title. It's of like the, the Phantom movie. of the Megaplex. Clearly, he's upset. That you've brought all this Hollywood nonsense to his movie theater. That's not good enough. Motivation. It's a terrible motivation. I would lo- like the Phantom should have made himself maybe a bit more known, and yeah. then and then I think they should have done a thing, a legit Scooby Doo thing of like them being like, oh, it's not real. It's just someone playing a prank or something like that. Like the Phantom of the Opera, the Phantom of the Opera, the Phantom of the Megaplex isn't a real thing, obviously. And then over the course of the film, they kind of have to unravel that. But he's just like, oh, he's definitely mad, and he's the one who caused this and all these problems. They're all the fan. Phantom. Pete's like, Brian, you're seven years old. Yeah. Go back and watch Go back and watch <laughs> that Brown sexy farmer to <laughs> go to town on that girl or whatever happens. <laughs> yeah, and, and then go home and continue the landscaping. <laughs> yes. We have some mulch we need you to spread later, so we can get started on that. <laughs> 
So he's like, go back to your seat. And he's like, fine. And then he's walking and then he hears like some whooshing or like some laughter and he looks around and he's like, There's huh. also one thing I really like about this movie is like when there is vantaming happening, there's like that creepy organ music that is just Phantom mm-hmm. of the Opera. It makes no sense no, 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 the organ music in the Megaplex, but well, like, I love that well, creepy organ well, specifically, music. specifically, Emma, well, I have to say that you're quite wrong. It is entirely legally distinct, non-branded organ music that I feel like in a court of law would not hold up as the Phantom of the Opera music. music. Like, it is, but to the human there's ear, there's three notes that are different. There's three notes that are different, where it's like da 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 instead of the actual instead of the actual refrain. But yes, I I like that organ music whenever you see the creepy phantom stuff. Yeah, which is funny to think about because this is like we said, it's more inspired by the book than the musical. But they were like, well, this musical got really popular. We should crib some of that for this. So he looks around. There's no one there, and he's like, oh, okay. And he this walks back to theater. was creepy as a child. I remember yeah, this being creepy. Bit. Not it wasn't now. It also makes no sense with what we learn later. Where like we then see someone's eyes come up through a standee. They also do a lot of standee work in this. So much in this those movie. of, of those fucking cutouts. He's hiding behind the cutout and like his eyes start to glow from behind they the thing. They don't glow. He just opens his eyes. Oh, I and they glow. No. Like open. Yeah. You realize that it's the cardboard cutout. Like there's holes cut out of the eyes. And, and the farmer brown. Is and there's <laughs> someone's real eyes behind it. Because it's a farmer, and I was like, Farmer Brown is the fan of the opera. Uh, fan of the megaplex. But. I think we should stop and take a break here. So apologies to ruin our cinema go- your cinema-going experience, audience, but there will be a brief intermission. Go out to the lobby, get yourself a snack. That's Hooey Valley, Hooey Hollywood, where any office boy or young mechanic can be a panic with just a good-looking pan. And any barmaid can be a star maid if she dances with or without a fan. Hooray for Hollywood! Terrific if you're even good Where anyone at all from Shirley Temple To Amy Semple Is equally understood Go out and try your luck You may be gone or luck Hooray for Hollywood We now join your podcast Already in progress So, after the Gwendolyn mishap Do they talk to Merle? Or is that later? No, they do. They do, I, they talk to Merle. I think that's yeah. They talk to him a few times. Um, there's, there's but a this few is <laughs> this isn't the time that Brian goes full <laughs> accusatory on him. When Brian tries to <laughs> nail that motherfucker to the Brian wall, Brian goes full conspiracy. Like it's out of nowhere. We'll get there. That's the second. This is just the first one yeah. where he's like, I don't know. Basically, where he's like, I don't know what the fuck is happening. I'm also the only guy here. And yeah, I, I think this is, all, is when they go up when all the all the projectors are going haywire and they're all like tied like issues are tied to the title of the movies but yeah merle's like i'm doing the best i can i'm manning 26 fucking oh yeah yeah i we yeah we skip so they meet with merle in the production booth and brian is also there and then Mm -hmm. then he says like you know i'm all underappreciated and overworked and underpaid Mm -hmm. but i'll do my best to fix the movie then pete sends brian back to his seat and then he gets stalked by the phantom a little bit then we cut into karen's movie the university of death they do a dumb thing talking through the movie they're talking through the movie and they do a dumb thing where like we mentioned i think where like her friend is like i dare you to stand up and shout how much you love the actor matthew dalton or delton or whatever his name is Taylor Dilton, I yeah, think. and she's like, "No, you do it." And so she's like, "My name is whatever, whatever," and I love it. Everyone's like, "Shut up, no one cares." And there actually is this starts a running gag. Well, I say running, but it only really happens once or twice. Where she stands up and says this, and everyone in the theater goes shush, and then uh, Taylor Dilton on the screen goes shush, and it's like a funny joke that like the thing in the movie relates to real life. And the next one happens in a second 
where like because she's like all right that was cool anyway i gotta go just to pop out and check on bri bri make sure he's good and they're like, "Uh, you suck. You care about your brother. absolutely just being vicious for no reason. And then she gets there, and then Brian's not in his seat. And she's like, oh, God, he's. I told him not to move. He's going to ruin this whole thing. And then the cinema sitter comes in, this old-ass lady. What do they oh. do? And she's like, Fuck oh, well, I can't leave now. So, like, she sits, uh, well, she's standing in the aisle, and the cinema sitter's like, are you something wrong? She's are like, you missing someone? And she's like, oh, my brother's in the bathroom. Yeah, my brother, I was in the bathroom, and now he's in the bathroom, so we must have just missed him. And she's like, freaking okay. I will say, the cinema sitter is meant to be, like, a nightmare figure to encounter. She also, she seems to be very apathetic about That's her job. That's what I'm saying. What does she fucking she, do? She gives a lot she's of leeway to this child. <laughs> she gives a lot of leeway. And this is what I was saying. So then Karen sits down, and then Farmer Brown in the movie comes back to his pickup truck. Which is all he ever does in this with, movie. And that's like, all he does. Yeah, and there was a girl in it at first, and then he comes back and he's like, oh, no, where'd you go? Like, I told you to stay put. And then yeah. you see Karen sitting there and be like, huh. And I was like, that's a pretty good joke. Um, Pete's walking around, and then Brian just finds him. And he's like, what are you how, What are you doing? And he's like, uh, I was an Indian guy. And I was like, what does that, that mean? mean? Also, it does not I sound said, racially. No, it doesn't. But I think it's supposed no. to be that he can, like, track people. But yeah, it does not sound good. Um, yeah, Lacey tells him, like, yeah, no one's gotten, like, the velvet ropes to put up. So they go down in the basement. And freaking Sean is, like, got... Bound, gagged, and tied. Got, like, that, listen, that's what happens when you end up in... Uh, the movie, sex dungeon. In movie Mason's basement. Uh, but no, he's got, you know, duct tape on his mouth. He's tied up to, like, the stairs. And they're like, what's going on? And he's like, I don't know. I came down here to get the ropes and someone attacked me and whatever. What's going on upstairs? And uh, Pete's like, dude, everything's going Going so bad. And he's like, okay, all right. And so he runs upstairs. They get the velvet ropes or whatever. And then he just starts like, he's like on the phone. He's like, Nittermeyer, it's all good. No problems. That's when there's a line where he's like, oh, you and LaMonica are going dinner where? And I was like, who the fuck is LaMonica? And then we realize it's And then he yells at Sean for not wearing his bow tie. And I was like, no, he yells at Pete. Pete. He yells at Pete Pete. for not wearing his bow tie. And I was like, Sean, is that really your top priority right now, my dude? I was like, also, like, let's look in a mirror. You were just tied up for three hours, and Pete's been keeping (laughs) his place afloat. So then he's like, okay, great. I got my manager back. Brian, you super need to go back to your movie. I've got some serious stuff to do this. And this is where we get started, that whole thing, where it's like, oh, serious, serious, serious. All you do is so So be so serious, isn't it, Pete? And he's like, what? And he's like... You just take things way too seriously. You should, like, you know, have fun with things or something like that. And I'm like, this is not a time. This is not the time nor the place. And also the mom had said something being like, you have the rest of your life to work. You know, go out and live life. And he's like, yeah, but I want to make that money. Yeah, the family clearly can't appreciate. Pete likes his job and he likes the responsibility. He also needs some paper to fuck Caitlin. Yeah, I I mean, that. she looks like a high-class kind of lady. She's not going to, she's not going to sell her bottom of the barrel dates. He's got to, fucking stab it up. He does say that one but he's like I gotta make all this money just to catch up to the guys who are rich and Yeah, Don- He has a real thing about Donnie being rich and that he's gotta compete. Right. Um, they finally meet up with Karen. Yes. Because they finally, they need all three of them to get together finally. Karen yeah. has some more interludes with the cinema sitter which aren't that funny or no. important. Um, and they no. meet each other up on the escalators where they're going up and she's going down. She's like I've been looking everywhere for you blah blah and he's like listen guys I so don't have time for this bullshit. For, for all this. He also then makes the valid point that his dinner break is canceled. And he's like, mm-hmm. there's no fucking way that I'm going to be able to get you guys home before this premiere. So, like, mom's going to have to pull her goddamn weight for once and come get you. God forbid Ma gets off of her back. Yeah. Literally. Does something go back five seconds just to swing by and grab the kids. Go back to Farmer Brown. I'm going to call mom to pick you up after because this is going too off the rails. And they're like, okay, fine. Whatever. And so something that we referenced but maybe didn't explain super well is so the whole theater is decorated 
to be like, oh, big premiere tonight, yay. And there's big things that are like the Hollywood experience at your local uh, Megaplex. And one of those things is that there's a giant fan just partitioned off with like some ribbon on it. I felt personally responsible that I didn't realize when we see this fan being set up earlier. You're a fool. That this I mean, makes that, no, that makes no sense that the fan is there. Oh yeah, no, it is. Then like sense. like I guess because it's supposed to be like you know Hollywood stars have their hair blowing in the wind all the time or something like that. I thought you said that you saw and you weren't you didn't realize that it was going to come. Well, into that play too, later, yes, because that it was obvious. Because then they they like are going back to Farmer Brown. They suddenly hear a commotion coming from but a before theater. Before this, this is not the fan one, right? Yeah, this is the. Fan. the, the before yeah. this, isn't there the one where the lights are going on and off? Because that was another tie-in where yeah. it's, like, it's like something about oh, that, the dark yeah. and the lights, and that's another thing that was with the Merle conversation where he was that's like, the "These are tied into that's the projector, and I don't know what the fuck to do There's about so it." There's so many scenes in this movie that it's that hard. Right, it's yeah, it's yeah, hard yeah. to remember where they and all. And they're connect. all identical, where it's just more fuckery happening in this movie theater, and you're like, <laughs> "When did it? When does this all happen?" But there's there's just a few more like that where it's like glimpses of Genevieve so then then the movie is like you it's only glimpses there's something the title's like I'll be gone in the dark or something and they were flicking the lights <laughs> on and off and then this one happens and yeah that's what they were talking to Merle about that's thank you for fixing that because you know what it is and sorry we'll get to the finish of the fan thing you know what it is we were comparing that this is basically an hour and a half long episode of Scooby-Doo but the thing is in Scooby-Doo like they find clues and things yeah and like the investigation progresses here they're just kind of bumbling from one thing to and another and they're just seeing him like absolutely just get further and further in his plans essentially yeah getting... he's like a criminal mastermind and they, yeah. they're, they can't do anything to stop him but so yeah they hear a commotion coming from a movie theater and like they pull up to the fan where we've seen it a couple times in this hallway and it's gone and they're like oh no no, and they run to the theater, and this is this is possibly my favorite. Guys, this was insane. This is the most absurd fan and and also reaction. You literally would have thought there was an actual tornado in this theater. <laughs> it looks like the scene from Halloween Town where they're blasted into those movie theater seats. Remember that? Oh yeah. Also, we should say thank you for we did we've kind of danced around it and say. While they're walking there, they're having the conversation that they can't they can't go home because Pete needs them to solve this mystery because no one knows movies like them because he didn't realize that all of the things relate to the titles of the film. Yes. And then we go into Cyclone Summer yes. and then we see the fans. And then there's it. like a weird dead dad quote they toss in here again when they're like trying Probably. to convince him. I'm like, I'm like, this doesn't really have anything to do with what we're currently <laughs> talking about, but okay. No. Just a reminder, dad is dead. Moving on. Right, and uh, the thing about this fan, the fan is honestly not that big. It's clearly, like, a powerful fan, but it's not, like, a gi- that giant of a fan. And what it's saying is it's just in the front of the movie theater. It's wrecking people. It's wrecking, Re- it's wrecking people. But also, how did he set the? How did the Phantom set this up without anyone noticing and being like, why is that guy in a cloak moving a giant <laughs> fan into the front of a movie theater? <laughs> and then, like, you know, hooking up its massive power cord. Like, it's like, no, someone would have said... You can't set that up sneakily. And Pete was in this movie theater. Excuse me. Excuse me, sir. Excuse me. This is a Wendy's. <laughs> sir, I don't know if you're aware, but everyone in this theater, everyone in this town gets so mad if you try and mess up their movie experience. You're trying to put this fan in front There's of the screen. There's going to be a riot. They would be with a fucking billy club before they let him put a fan in front of the screen. Someone would throw a Molotov cocktail. And so... <laughs> So but the important thing to note is that it's just a stationary fan. It's not moving in any way, shape, or form. So it only, the wind is only moving in one People direction. People are getting blown and away. everyone in the massive movie theater is. It's like the fucking town in Wizard of Oz when the tornado rolls through. People yes. are getting, as Dylan said, blown away. But obviously. Like they're falling this. out of the movie theater, like the back doors of this individual theater. <laughs> In reality, like, 
the only thing that would happen was like this would just be uncomfortable for you to have this much air blown yeah. on you. Yeah, be really loud. And Luke pointed this out that like clearly like the air is only really coming in this one direction so like and they're gonna use that area where the fan is actually gonna be the strongest for like pete who's trying to walk up to the fan to like get it to turn it off and for like caitlin or whoever so the people that matter in the story yeah so the extras that are far in the, <laughs> the back extras. are not getting hit with the fan but are getting told to yeah. react like they are being the best sand blasts the best shot is <laughs> pete bro they go get pete and pete comes in and it's like oh, i God. really hope that the extras that were like over <laughs> Overacting this fan blowing were the same ones that had to like fall. fucking fall yeah. all over the gumballs, and the director was like, "Guys, I love the work you Cinematic did in that poetry. scene. I want the same energy." You know how Please like the last scene you were at fourteen? I think we take it up to like the, to nineteen that, this time. Let's get dangerous. But so the best thing is, so he comes in and he sees that it's Caitlyn's theater. And he's like, "Oh God, Caitlyn!" And so he runs toward the fan and he has to like you know fight the wind. And so he sits, he gets to the very front of the theater and he gets blasted back to the seat. And so then in that same row, you see a group. of people in the background who are clearly nowhere in the path of the wind and they just were told just wave your arms in front of your face like there's wind coming at you and they're like oh 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 and it's like dog we know you're not in the path of the fan your hair isn't even going it's so funny um but yeah he unplugs the fan and it's like yeah cool so you could probably imagine we've talked about some very silly stupid stuff so far but now we're going to get to the stupidest, weirdest oh, scene, which is nowhere near the Megaplex, because we cut to Greg's minivan. Greg, This is was... It, is it Greg? Is that George? George, George, George. George. We cannot remember his name. Well, he's barely in the movie. <laughs> and also movie Mason's son. Um, but he... Oh, God. What if movie Mason is their father? <laughs> he didn't die. He just went he under. He loves movies, Emma. He loves movies. Nobody loves He's movies. He's fathered like... this whole fucking town. He has staged his own death several times He's to get out of yeah. illegitimate Movie children's Mason lives. Movie is actually immortal, and he just keeps dying and coming back as like somebody else. Anyway, they pull up to a restaurant, and they're like, "Man, the hour long wait at this other restaurant. The other one's shut down for health code violations, and this one's closed. Man, I guess we have to cancel our perfect evening." And I was like, "So every we restaurant in town." town? Just can't serve you too. <laughs> also, like, I don't know, George, maybe plan better. Call ahead, make That's a res. That's literally what I said. This guy can't make a reservation. Are you kidding? <laughs> Everyone's slobbing all over this guy's knob on how great he is. Husband material? And he can't fucking make a reservation? That doesn't bode well to me. Also, this is where we get this plant metaphor. The, yeah, that we've is talked, we've, so fucking This was painful. so uncomfortable. It was so painful. Basically what happens is, and I'm going to try to do this as best as I can. Is it's impossible They're to do. sitting in the car outside this closed restaurant. I'm assuming fucking starving. And they are, there's two plants like hanging in a, two potted plants two potted plants hanging next to each other out by, by, by the restaurant and I don't know who starts she this. does she for does. an insane and, no and, and goddamn she goes, reason yes the goes, guard the gardener she, oh yes. yeah you're right she is the one that starts it because she loves herbology as John said so she says this she's like those two plants they look perfectly happy where they are so why would you want to like you wouldn't want to upset that by maybe trying to repot them into one pot which is a marriage metaphor she's trying to make, I guess. Yes. But then he's like, oh, yes, well, you know, 
you especially wouldn't want to do it quickly. Like you too want... soon. They need to their their roots could become entangled. Yeah, and you got to worry about the buds. The buds more the the. Well, is that flowers. supposed to be the kids? Yes, he's worried about the kids. He's yes, worried, that's he's, the kids. He's worried that the kids won't accept him as their father, which is crazy because they love, love him. him apparently. It's like to a weird amount. And he's like, so you got to do it, you know, slowly if you're going to repot. But I'm not. It's not that I'm scared to repot. repot. I am just you know taking my time with it. And then she's like, she looks disappointed at first when. He but gets I'm like, you started this plant. Yeah, she, and then he's, she looks disappointed and she's like, I think so too. And I was like, what do you want, woman? She doesn't know what she wants. She doesn't. I don't think she does. Yeah, she doesn't know. So the only important thing here is that she gets, she also, when she dropped the kids off, she said, you guys have my beeper number. And then. Guys, <laughs> the amount of times that they say beeper in the act three of this I movie. I think they say pager, actually. Is, but. No, there's beeper, pager. They, they, it is crazy. It's a huge plot point. So basically, this whole plant metaphor happens and she's like, um, he pages her? He pages her from the movie theater payphone. And what's insane is that she's like, oh, my pager's going off. And then George just hands her his cell phone? Yeah. And I, I was like, why didn't she just give her a cell phone if you're just going to have her use a cell phone anyway? I think, yeah, I think that because they're poor, they can't afford the cell phone. And that that's why we're supposed to think that she's got to use landlines only. But they want to marry George because he has cell phone access. But basically, she call, she picks up the phone and talks to... Pete, and he's like, yo, like, you gotta come get these fucking kids, and I'm like... I don't get to eat tonight. And I, yeah, I'm not gonna eat tonight. I'm Please like, bring a crust that. of bread. <laughs> Thank God I had that <laughs> absolutely massive decorative bowl of cornflakes earlier. True. And, uh, and I was like, yeah, sorry, lady, you're gonna have to go pick up your fucking kids instead of boning in this dark parking lot, because what were you guys doing anyway? None of the restaurants were open. Mm-hmm. So they were like, oh, okay, great, you know, we will come get them We'll come get them, have them sit on the blue bench in the lobby, we'll meet them there. And he's like, thank you so much. And she hangs up the phone and is like, we gotta get the kids. Sorry. And he's like, hey, no problem. They gotta protect the buds, whatever. And the engine go- doesn't turn over. The, the car doesn't start. And then I was really expecting a Phantom of the Opera laugh. The, uh, a Phantom of the Megaplex <laughs> sting. And then I was, like, I was like, oh no, he got their car too. He's gonna murder them. Gonna- he, shut down, he, he shut down every restaurant in this town. Just to keep them in this Just parking lot. Um, so then we go back to the Megaplex. He sits the kids down. And then Sean's like, Pete. Here's what's up. I've real. I've figured it out. Movie Mason is the Phantom of the Megaplex. He he's mad at me because I tossed him out. He's trying to ruin this premiere because you know he hates that we bulldoze his old theater. It's definitely him. And I was like, yeah, you're definitely right, Sean. He has the most motive, except for the fact that he's a 97 year old man, man that pushed a 300 pound fan. Yeah, he pushed that 300 pound, <laughs> and he knew enough about technology to wire up that freaking. <laughs> Uh, that man still thinks mentally it's 1935. That, man, gonna, that man is a top 100%. speed of five miles an hour, and you're expecting him to run around the various catacombs or whatever of this movie theater? Also, have we st- stated yet that we have seen the Phantom? That there there is a cloak? Not fully masked yet, but no. that we... Brian saw from the projector room, like, a wisp of a cloak. Or is that not happening? That's yet? not happening yet. That's when he's accusing, because then he's like, oh, fuck, it's not Gracie Gracie Lacey and Scary Terry, I think, see him Yes, for a yes. Um, but yeah, we just and see also this cloak. cloak is just a garbage bag. It's the worst quality piece of material I've ever seen in my life. Yeah, I have some real problems with the Phantom's costume, which we can get into at the oh, end. Oh, same, same. I yeah. might have the same comment. Yeah, okay. Yeah, what that looks like it was bought at Party City five no, minutes before they started shooting. There's more to it than that. There's worse. Yeah, there's yeah. But so he <laughs> he tells him he's like fine movie maze, and he's the one doing this. He can't have gotten far. He's an old man. <laughs> and he's who like, lives in this theater? <laughs> who lives in this theater? And he's like, okay, we got it. And then. While 
he's walk he's walking them down and the kids are there and Brian just goes full like it can't be movie Mason he would never ruin the experience of movies for people how dare you impugn the honor of our father what shut up <laughs> um, and yeah like the kids are like no and it's your not father who it, <laughs> uh, and it's like <laughs> god damn it he's just like it's not movie Mason he's like whatever find him Pete goes off to do whatever what does he go do but this is what this is what i'm saying about this shit this is when they're fully promoted to co-protagonist stage where they go off on their own yeah karen and brian find him without pete i don't know what pete is doing this oh trying to get yeah Caitlin's yeah pants. he's probably trying to hit caitlin and then also deal with all the fires and so yeah so he leaves them on the bench and is like don't move mom's, mom's coming, coming. To get, get you guys and they of course do move and then go 40 stories below hang on i got it because he goes to find movie mason of his own accord because he, like, tells them, uh, all the employees, check all the movie theaters. And he goes and, like, checks some of the ticket takers. And he's like, yeah, he got kicked out, but then he bought a movie ticket to go see a movie, like, Martian Madness or something like that. And then they, like, go and check those theaters. It's like, he's not in either of those theaters. Like, he's somewhere in there. He's trying to find him his own. But then they're, they're sitting on the bench. And uh Brian finds the schedule that he had written that Sean had thrown away. And he's like, oh, wait. It says he's supposed to be taking a dinner break. And then he goes and asks Lacey, like, where does Movie Mason take his dinner breaks? In the freaking bowels of the movie theater, which, as we said, yeah, is four stories down. Not to be a dick to Movie Mason, but it's like, we, if you're going to be, you know, part of this team, yeah, you're not getting paid, but mentally you think that you work at this theater, then we, you should have heard the directive that we don't get dinner breaks tonight. That yeah. was true. I don't know That's why true. he still thinks he can take yeah, one. He has to take a lot of pills with dinner. Yeah. He needs to take dinner breaks. Yeah, I think those pills are blue. <laughs> But so he st- they start taking, going down, as we've alluded to, the 70 so flights of stairs. stairs. <laughs> it's like Ghostbusters level of stairs. This is where we see, at the very, very bottom, this is where we see, like, a wisp of the Phantom. Yes, you're right. And then also, it, this was like, I'm like, so ostensibly we're in the center of the Earth. Like, we're about to hit magma, because that's how many stairs they climb down to find him. But they do find one of my favorite true things in all of cinema, which is an abandoned creepy prop room with a bunch yeah, of like so, busts yeah, so and s- haunted chests. So they saw the phantom down there and then they go down there and it's just a bunch of like, at first it's like, you know, old marquee stuff that you kind of say, but then it's like mannequins. Yes. And like, like creepy costume. Dude. There's like, some weird, it's, it's weird. And like movie props. And I'm like, why do they you have this? You're a movie theater. They didn't film the movies here. You didn't film, yeah, you, this isn't like a prop warehouse, like the one from Big Fat Liar. Like, this is just yeah. a, a, a movie theater. That's an excellent question, but I loved it all the same. All that should be down there is like garbage bags and like the marquee from Pocahontas five years and ago. And popcorn boxes. And by, yeah, like there's nothing down there. But like, so yeah, they saw the fan go down here and they find like a secret door to like this hallway with even more mysterious props and Things lights. That, it it and feels stuff. like shit's getting even older. Like by the time like like they the props room when they enter it feels like oh these are like props from like ten years ago. By the time they reach the back of the room and they get into that secret passageway where movie Mason lives, it feels like a nineteen ten <laughs> circus. We should say he doesn't like, actually <laughs> live in the movie theater. He does though. Doesn't he kind of does. No, he does live there. Yeah, well, prove wait, me that he does I not. I can't, but I, I, I don't. He's not like a bad. <laughs> that we saw. It's not. It's not like the actual fan with the opera. So yeah, there's like, and this is where, like, again, it's the movie trying to be creepy, where they're like slowly advancing down this hallway and like checking everything out, and then this th- it takes this really weird turn where they're like seeing all of these like prop things, like posters and pictures of like golden age Hollywood stuff, and then she's like, uh, Brian, you know how we think we said movie Mason isn't the fan of the opera? 
And he's like, yeah, for sure he's not. And she's like, well, then how do you explain that? And then he just has a poster. It's a poster it's of literally the just a poster. Of the it's a poster yeah. for the Phantom of the Opera. The 1925 one we saw at the beginning. And I was like, yeah. that's not incriminating in any way, shape, <laughs> way, 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 shape or form. It doesn't prove he's the Phantom of the Megaplex. Wait, but then they do a crazy effect where his face, did you did you notice that? No. And I don't know if I would call it an effect. Or it's just a hard cut. Yeah, I don't know if that's what they were trying to do. Like, superimpose. Yes, you know what I'm talking about, Is that Dylan? what they were doing? Like, I his don't face know. on a Lon Chaney's yes, face? Yes, yes, yes. It's either, it's not like an effect, but it's like a weird, like, Mirror they move, move them together, so it's like, maybe his reflections in the poster or something. But Mickey Rooney's, like, modeled, like, <laughs> terrifying face is, like, right there then. And that <laughs> I jumped out of my seat. Um, yeah, I, but again... I don't know why it was a poster and not like a costume that looked like the Phantoms that they yes, saw or something. Yes. And then the he would have come, and then he would have come forward and been like, "Oh no, that's the original something from a movie." Uh, I don't know. But then yeah, Mickey Rooney's there and they're like, "Uh, Mason, uh, what are you doing here?" He's like, "Oh, I see you found my hideaway." He and lives there, guys. There's literally <laughs> I won't I won't hear anything. And there's, there's like a desk it. and some stuff. And then that's why like, he didn't go home when he got kicked out because this is his home. And they're like. Hey, Mason, can you be real with us? Are you the fan of the Megaplex? I love that their investigative work was just straight up asking. asking They're like, hey, are you the the guy or not? And what's (laughs) funny is he doesn't say no right away. This launch... No, he doesn't. He doesn't really answer their question until like a minute and a half later. Okay, wait, wait. Before we get into the monologue, we did miss a scene where... um, they're, we check back in with the parents. The, we check back in with the parents, which is, I just have to call this one line before we move on, which is when they go, does your beeper have a callback option? And I go, Jesus Christ. Like, I out loud well, was like, oh my but God. But also, she called the payphone from his cell phone. Doesn't his cell phone, wouldn't it be like your most recent yeah, call? This when, was the number. Why, did, why, also, why does can, her beeper need the callback option? So they call back from the cell phone, and this is where question mark picks up the phone. She's like, where are my kids? They're supposed to be on the bench. And like, are we having engine trouble? And I just like, I wrote the note of this this point i was like you know what miss jeffries like honestly like is her name jeffries mark right. jeffries it's riley yeah but I, I was just like you know what like we don't he doesn't really have time for your shit yeah. right now like there's <laughs> fires that he needs to put out all over this goddamn movie theater and like it's not question mark's job to watch your goddamn kids so how about no. you figure it out yourself uh and also this goes nowhere nowhere like, he never tells pete like hey your mom called or anything there's a bunch of things in this now that we're kind of like really in the third act of this bad boy that there's threads that they just drop that they don't will not yeah. circle back to which i don't love this being one of them but then now we've cut back the kids who are in movie mason's lair yes and he gives this monologue about the magic of movies and it's did they write this just for his oscars in memoriam because <laughs> and if they didn't use it if they didn't use they it did, they're right? fucking stupid I it's I think they wrote it because they're like we got Mickey Rudy, this old school Hollywood guy to be in this. We need to write him like an act. Like I want to see someone do you, this as an audition think, monologue, but right? Do you think like how much would you pay? I would love to go to like Dylan, to apply like, to the drama school. Be like I will be performing Mickey Rudy's monologue from Phantom of the Megaplex. How much that is would that be incredible. monologue that they got? To, I don't want your honest opinion. How much of that monologue that you saw on your screen do you think was actually what they wrote? And how on the money did he got? Because that speech goes around. It literally starts with you know. You ever watched a baby discover a butterfly? And I was like, what? I'm going to give it a generous 45%. Like, I think they gave him a speech, and I think he tried, but it went somewhere else. I think it was very ad-lib, to be honest. Yeah, like, I, think I, mo- I think most of his lines in this entire film were Mickey Rooney deciding, at, at that moment, 
This is what I'm going to say. In this moment, my character would talk about a baby discovering a butterfly. And then he yeah. loops that into movies. And I was like, how did we get there's here? There's always magic at the movies. And then there's like a Wizard of Oz reference. Guys, it's a long monologue. It's, a, it's, it's, a, it's, it's actually, this is the moment. This is what I was saying. Is it like I didn't really care about movie Mason so far because he just kind of was like a delusional old guy who showed up in the beginning and then got yelled at and left. This is the scene where I was like, ah, oh, frick, Move Mason kind of slaps Ash. Yeah, like, if, and that's what I'm thinking. I can picture this as a memoriam. Like, I, it was a very beautiful speech about the magic of the movies. It is. It's nice. So then we cut back up. Another fire gets lit. Not really. It's like... Donnie shows up and he's mad because there's this dumb promotion. This is another thread that never gets well. Well, it was literally all. It was literally all for yeah. Yeah, but the the Donnie problem. I was waiting for them to physically come to blows or for Donnie to just fucking leave. Like the Donnie problem is never. I was never expecting them to come to blows. I was waiting for them to fight (laughs) because I wanted to punch him when he's yelling about the goddamn sword. Yeah, and also like at this point I wrote I was like Pete, my guy, we have bigger issues than you trying to get your dick wet with Caitlin. Like Sean is missing again. Oh yeah, Sean is missing again, yeah. Well yeah, Sean's on my eighth. I, I wonder why. I wonder why. That's reasons. his problem, right? I wonder why. And then also, what we missed before the Donnie Sword thing, we also have the, um, what was her name? Tori Hicks, like the celebrity's manager comes and this starts bitching at the kids. This movie has too many fucking characters. That manager... And none of them have interesting enough names right. except the nickname characters. She's like, also, like, that was a crazy line, Dylan. Do you remember that when she's, like, yelling at the kids and she's like, we're about out waiting in the limos. I'm like, how long have you guys been sitting out there? It sounds like hours, if I'm being quite <laughs> It sounds right. like a long time, yeah. And also, like, lady, do you see what's going on around <laughs> you? And that these are children dealing, like... Again, this is another example of an adult, like, freaking out on these fucking kids. And I'm like, they are batting way above their pay grade. Yeah, because she's, like, she's like, all the celebrities are outside the limo. When is the premiere starting? And they just have to keep, like, pushing it back because, you know, everything keeps going wrong. And, like, we're saying, so they had to run as a movie theater during the day... And then uh, they have to get everybody out of the movie theater by, like, you know, 9 o'clock or whenever the movie's premiere part is starting. And so they're like, oh, yeah, we're doing our best. We don't know where Sean is. We're super understaffed. All this stuff. And then Tori's like, hey, all the celebrities are waiting outside. If you don't start soon, they're leaving. Bye. She leaves. She's not important. Then Donnie shows up again. And there's this weird promotion where there's a sword and, like, an asteroid for, like, an upcoming movie. And you go up and try and pull the sword out of the asteroid. I did and not realize it was an asteroid until someone physically said asteroid. I thought it was like a sword in the stone Yeah, you, I mean, it doesn't matter what it is. And it's just like, if you pull it out, you win like, what is it? Like a free movie ticket or like a year of free tickets yeah, or something? Yeah, I think it's just, a, it said, they said movie pass. I think it's literally just a free movie ticket. Something. And also like Donnie, I've heard multiple times now how fucking rich you are. And Shut Donnie's up. rich, so it's yeah, about He really, yeah. he's really just like, I want my prize. I want it now. And they're like, dude. I'm going to be real with you. We have way too much going on right now to give you a prize. We'll send it to you tomorrow. Just leave us alone. He's like, no, I want it now, man. And like Caitlin and Lisa, her friend, are just kind of standing off the side just being like, uh. Lisa, of course. Why does she join them? This is the weirdest part. And and I wanted you guys to, I think I missed something. Well, we're not there. Because they join their crew. But then they disappear. I know exactly what you're talking about, but we're not there Okay, okay, okay. But so he's having this argument with Donnie and Donnie's like, oh, I prize, man. And then a fire alarm starts to go off, and Pete's like, I gotta go handle that. But then I'm gonna come back, and I'm gonna throw you out on your ass I'm myself. I'm gonna personally throw you out. I'm gonna out. personally yeah. do it. That's why I thought they were gonna beat the shit out of each other, honestly. I mean, was... I didn't think so, because it's a Channel Ultra movie. But what's upset me is we don't see what movie this was. Like, I assumed it was, I would have liked it to be, like, a fire movie that relates to the fire alarm going off. But everybody I, just... Everybody, it's soaking wet. Soaking wet. And this is, this, this is really the scene. 
Everyone comes out soaking wet, and then you just get up in Pete's face. One dude's like tongue gushing, being like, blah, 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 blah. and like, I was like, I'm gonna try cleaning or something like that. And he's like, Sorry, everybody, it's you know, malfunction. I don't know what you want. I'm They're a child. About to hang this kid in the town square. They're ready. It's happening. And then he had seen, I think, that they had the kids had left. And then he sees that they've returned to the bench. And he's like, all right, I can't deal with this. Everybody just get out of here right now. Yeah. We'll pay you back if you want, but we got to clear you out for this movie premiere. I got to go. Mark, take over. And like, he runs out. And so then he's like, where did you guys go? And they're like, oh, we didn't go anywhere. And he's like, I, he doesn't say this, but he knows they left. Yeah. And then and they're like, well, it doesn't matter. We know who the Phantom is. And he's like, who? And then it's like, it's Merle. And I was like, when did we you come to that, that assumption? We didn't see them do that logic. Where was your, I would love to see you find a clue or anything to point you. And then he's like, yeah, you said he was all underappreciated and mad. And he's doing this so he can like save the day or like and get revenge. And you said like all of the lights and this was all tied to projectors and only he knows how to work it. Yeah, exactly. And isn't that when they go, doesn't Brian go and be like, well, look at this. And like, they go in that one theater and it's just the Midnight Mayhem. The trailer. Yeah, trailer but what's weird is like, and... it's a trailer that says like Midnight Mayhem and then it's like Midnight Mayhem. It was just a title. But and now, now it's, it's real! And then I was like, is this a trailer for Midnight Mayhem or did the Phantom no, make they this think trailer? It, I, they, the Phantom no, cut that trailer. There are no trailers for this movie. It's a big mystery. No one knows what it's about. <laughs> oh, oh, God, I forgot. Uh, yeah, yes. Luke, I, they need to go to a spoiler website, obviously. Uh. But I think... <laughs> Did Phantom opened iMovie and cut this himself? <laughs> God, how long has he been planning this? Uh, so you, we know only a few hours, only, only a day. Yeah. <laughs> but so he, they go up into the projection booth, and Merle's up there, and they're like, "Okay, I will say two things. Number one, before we get into this, Brian has all of his ducks in a row. I get why he would maybe think it might be Merle. Those were good points that he brought up. But two. He has it out for Merle pretty bad. He has it so out for Merle. You think Merle killed their father? Yeah, or like it left them. Like I was like, he also, if like you're going to accuse someone of being the Vantam, maybe like don't do it to their face. Yeah, because he just runs up and is like, we know you're the Phantom, you're the one causing all this, and Merle's like, yeah. dude, I'm just trying to fix well, everything. Karen and Pete were like, Jesus, relax. Yeah, they're literally like, like, no, 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 this fucking like scumbag is the Phantom. holding this five-year-old back from jumping this, like, 43-year-old dude. you're so dude. right. At one point, if you watch that actor that's playing Pete's face as Brian's delivering his lines, he looks down at him like, what the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> he looks he's, down. He's, hor- he's horrified because Brian's just like, Pete. He's like, fucking cough him now. I don't know why we're waiting yeah. for it. But so what's Straight up murder his ass, actually. <laughs> <laughs> Brian just pulls out a gun. <laughs> points it out. Like, the actors are incredible. They're like, what's going on? Um, but so, yeah, Brian's interrogating Merle like Batman in the Dark Knight <laughs> he's, interrogating he's, the Joker. He's, he's literally going to start waterboarding and it was awful. Also, and he's like, we know you're the Phantom. Give it up. And then they look down to the theater. And they see the Phantom. they see the Phantom setting up a fog yeah. machine because they said the fog machine had gone missing earlier. But what makes no sense is why would the Phantom have drawn attention to this movie theater by playing this trailer and then gone in and set the fog? Like, you're going to get seen, dude. Also, I literally, this is, I just give Well, he something. also set up a fan right in front of people. That's he's true. like, well, I'm invincible. Yeah, they were all he in forgot. the theater. Sorry. <laughs> he's, also, like, he's like, I must have turned invisible. I can do whatever I want. He must be able to hypnotize people Also, guys, like, oh, this is where I just giggled to myself because I looked at my notes and I just wrote, that costume seems like a bit of a rush job. <laughs> yeah, but, but we, we still don't get that good of a look at it here yet. We also no, see the, the roof. Cloak. The roof is where we really get the look of it. Yeah, yeah. So we'll save it for that. 
But so they, like, see him, and they run down there. Um, Where do Lisa and Caitlin come from? Yeah, so then suddenly Lisa and Caitlin are just standing inside, and then they just, all the, the three of them just start walking, and Lisa and Caitlin are like, all right, I guess we're part they of this They come troop. with two. And they start walking towards the, Sean's office, like, why do you go to Sean's office? And it's like, because all of the things the Phantom have done have related to the movies that were shown in those theaters. So we need to figure out what his final plan is by looking up the plot. Of Midnight Mayhem, like but you guys But there's said. no trailers. We don't know what it is. It's a secret. But thank God it's the year 2000 and the internet's around. And I'm seven, so I know all the spoiler websites on the yes. internet. Brian's on the dark web. Brian's on the dark web. Oh, I think 100%. Brian runs the dark web. Let's for be sure. real. He is like, I need to access your computers, look up the spoilers for the movie so we figure out what's going on. And Pete is like, I guess I'm just letting the seven-year-old run this investigation yeah. now. Taking a real backseat. Caitlin and Elise are like, I guess we're coming too. He's 0 for 1, but I feel confident he's going to get the next one. But then where do they go? We they, go into, they go into the office. No, but where do Caitlin and Lisa they're go? They're in the office with them at this point. They go into the office with them. They open the door and they're like, why is it so creepy in here? And then they close the door and we see Sean <laughs> tied, tied up and hung on the coat hook of the door. And it's like, ah! Yes, once again. At yeah. this point, you gotta wonder if Sean's just kind of into this thing. Which, if Movie Mason is his father, maybe. He, I think he's into BDSM. Chains and whips excite Sean. Because he, he, yeah. Yeah. So, he is like, ah, same thing happened. Isn't that crazy? I got knocked out and hung up and all yeah, that stuff. Yeah, yeah. No one saw it, but. If you don't know what's going on, like, at this point, I'm like, Sean, keep your head on a swivel, man. Like, is how many times is he going to get you? But he just, like, grabs <laughs> Pete and is just like, Niedermeyer's going to be here, like, in five minutes. We got to go down there now. So he grabs Pete. Caitlin and Lisa disappear from the narrative. Completely. Um, until the end. And Karen and Brian stay in the office to do computer they find research. find the plot. Yes, both of the this movie and of Midnight Mayhem. But also, like, do you really need to know the plot of Midnight Mayhem to solve this? Because, like, it was like Cyclone Summer, put a fan in, because there's winds, yeah. glimpses. Like, you know, there's not, like, plot details. Like, maybe he's just going to cause some mayhem. Did you ever consider that? No. Yeah, also, wasn't there, um, they had that huge, like, dinosaur thing like that they had outside like obviously that's like a part of the story well yeah and all the marketing has dinosaurs on it yeah yeah like like i said it's like it feels like this is a jurassic park knockoff also did we get to the part where the two girls like scary terry and honey hillary honey are in the bathroom and they hear the noise and you think that they're gonna see like the vantum again and it's okay fun. why do you it's- keep saying it like the vantum you keep <laughs> like you keep saying it's so weird how am i supposed to say it? the phantom you phantom. say it like they keep seeing the vantum and i'm like <laughs> the what <laughs> that's how I say that word. Gonna catch him all because he's Danny Phantom. That's not. That's <laughs> nothing. That's just another character with the word Phantom in it. And you're still. It's not. That doesn't prove that you're saying it right. What are you talking about? Yeah, I think we did miss that. That was at, at one. Yeah, but, point. but also it doesn't matter. Like it doesn't matter. I had another note. I mean, you can, Emma always complains that we take too long on things, and then I blow over super those things. She's like, wait, wait, I need to talk about this scene that adds but nothing April to the plot. April was such a bitch to them. Do you Dude, remember that? Girl that? Sucks. Oh, surprise, surprise! April's a bitch. She sucks. All the friends suck. <laughs> but like, it was just so weird because they were like two strangers working in a the movie theater and she's like yeah you got a fucking problem we're staying for the premiere it's like what's wrong with this get off my case bitch literally I'm like that's a stranger yeah, oh she my sucks God. I don't know why you're what this is throwing you I'm sorry I'm done so they go down to the lobby and they're like we gotta get kick this premiere off it's gotta happen 
And oh, guys! Also, we didn't set this up, but oh. there was oh, a balloon balloons. drop that is supposed to happen at the premiere. And earlier in the day, like at the very beginning, the very beginning, Pete goes to put the balloons, and tra- Racy Lacy um, is like, "Oh, don't worry, Sean already did it. Like balloons were already he's throwing them all up." And Pete's like, mm-hmm. "Dang, Sean's really on top of his shit. Like all the balloons are up, ready for the balloon is, drop." Is that a hint? Yes. Or is it just that, like, they just they just assumed that he did it? No, that was supposed to be a hint. Okay. Sean did no, it. looking back, like, that, no, that was definitely Because, like, hint. it's so obvious. <laughs> like, looking back, right? Come on. I don't know. I actually don't know because I don't have a memory of watching this movie and not knowing who it was. Like, like, yeah, like I said, I I remembered, like, half of this movie from 12 years ago, and I was I remembered who it was. But, yeah, Niedermeyer shows up. In a three-piece suit. Yeah. With a chain connecting <laughs> the vest to his pocket, like an old-timey train conductor. Um, he shows up with the director of that's the movie. Li- that, that, was, that was actually, I was like, this guy is like John D. Rockefeller. Yeah. A little bit, <laughs> yes. He's like, I, I made my money in oil and then movies. <laughs> the um, pictures. The, <laughs> I, 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 the I talkies. Won, I, won the, I won the theater chain in the game of, small, game of tiny dice back in the 1920s. He's like... What took you so long? He's like, sir, I've got it all under control. No problem. The director of the film is there. Who seems coked out of his mind. He, I could not get what this dude's vibe was. He's also <laughs> British, we find out. Yeah, like, when he speaks, I was like, whoa. Yeah. And, like, Sean's, like, trying to schmooze. Uh, also, what's... La Monica's there, the new regional manager. Yeah, you know, classic La Monica. Classic La Monica. La Monica's a clown. Oh, he's yeah. a clown. That's the thing. In a way, Sean is also kind of right. Because, you know, nepotism sucks, and, like, Nettermeyer also sucks and shouldn't have promoted the Monica. I don't think he should have gone as far as he did, but I kind of get Sean's motivations on this one. Um, I, 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 hey, in case you didn't guess, audience, Sean's the freaking fan of It's pretty, it's pretty obvious. Gonna get that's why, that's, Sean's good the Vantum. That's why he's Sean's always disappearing. Fan. Emma, I will slap you. So... He's like, don't worry, sir. Everything's under control tonight. It's not. Spoiler What alert. happens that very moment? A balloon falls and Lacey's like, oh, I got it. And then freaking Pete's like, no. And then pulls on the string and all of the balloons fall. But what are those balloons? They're water, water balloons. balloons. Which doesn't make any so sense. So harmless. So I'm like, up your ante, Phantom. Like, put a fucking acid in those balloons. <laughs> Whoa. <laughs> Emma. Some sulfuric acid. Yeah, I don't know. Like, uh, water. Like a... Uh, not what well, was spaghetti that even Steven's movie. Yeah, it's something, something red that like ruins their something clothes. Something else stain the movie star's dress or something. Or cat pee, something that's yeah. smelly, you know. <laughs> That'd be a lot of cat piss <laughs> that Sean's collecting. <laughs> okay. Well, listen, if there's one thing I've learned about holding up balloons like hundreds of cats. Listen, there's one thing I learned about cat piss from watching Emma's cat who decided to piss all over my grocery bags and stuff while she's been in my apartment. Just a dabble duty of cat piss. Um, so, Niedermeyer is like, I expected him to like blow up, but he doesn't really get that mad. He's just kind of like, well, it really boned this one. Also, the, also, he has no idea who Sean is. He keeps calling him the wrong yeah. name. Oh, and, yeah, like, the wrong it's name. It's supposed to be like one of those never meet your heroes kind of things. This is also where right after this, Mrs. Hicks or Miss Hicks calls her clients cattle. Oh, She's yeah. Like, that just because I call my clients cattle doesn't mean I want them treated like once. I was like, what? <laughs> Have we also ever seen her call the clients cattle before that no. moment? No, no, I don't care about her. Um, but then... <laughs> 
the best part of the movie happens, in my opinion, which is freaking Niedermeyer's like, whatever, we're all wet. I don't care. Just we got to kick off this premiere. We can't let the night be ruined because all the stars are going to leave, like Tony Hicks says. And he's like, yes, sir. And so Sean walks out. And then the most delightful, fun thing happens where Mickey Rooney's standing on the song. And Mickey Rooney sings the, uh, the Hollywood song, like the Hollywood. You heard it at the break. Listen, yeah. I played it at the break. But that like, was the most unexpected thing that happened in the But it was movie. so fun. I was hooray like, for Hollywood. He's, yeah, he's playing the Hooray for Hollywood song. And everyone's like singing along. And they got like a mic up the to him. The crowd loves the it. Cra- everyone loves Movie Mason. Emma, everybody. And he's probably the father of about 90% of those people. But of course they love him. It's awesome. I I literally, then, I went back and replayed it. That's right. how much I liked it. But then, in his orthopedic shoes, but then uh, Sean comes <laughs> out and tries to, shoes. <laughs> tries to kick him out again, right? Well, yeah, Sean's like, I told you to leave. And then he's like, well, And Mickey Rooney's like, babe, I got nowhere to go. I he's like, like, I got nowhere to go. And I was, I'm saving this goddamn premiere. Everyone's been sitting out here for like six hours. Yeah, the crowd was on fire. Yeah, and he's like, I've been doing you a favor. Besides, I'm waiting for, and then someone's like, is there a problem? And, he's, and Sean's like, back off, lady. And then Ashley yeah. Madison, yeah, he's like, Madison, whatever bitch. her name is. Ashley Madison is the website that you, people used to cheat on their wives. Okay, like, sure. Med- it's Madison something, Mets. Ashley Madison. No, Ashley, it's Madison Ashley. Guys. Okay, I was, I got him backwards. It's Madison but- Ashley Madison. <laughs> and I actually was happy because she was also legit hot. Like, I wish she wasn't like an absolute. Well, of course she is. She's Mickey Rooney's child. Uh, yeah, I mean, she was pretty That's hot. True. Um, if anyone is, it's her. Something. Great jeans. We learn. <laughs> This she is got where, Hollywood in her jeans, man. This is where we learn that she's from this town and also is the daughter of Mason. Yeah, she's from Cotton, <laughs> Cotton Hills. Also, can we point out, I don't want to go here necessarily, but Cotton Hills sounds like a racist plantation yeah, name from like the great. 1850s. It's not great. Yeah. Um, but she's like... This sounds stuck in the past yeah, in a lot of in ways. In a lot of ways. But so she gets out of her limo and is like, oh, Movie Mason, love you, doll. And then he's like, you know him? And she's like, oh, he's the one who encouraged me to be an actor. When I, I used to come to his theater all the time. Now, excuse me, me and my escort need to go to the premiere. Yeah. And yeah. I was just like, it's, and yeah. I was like, yes, suck, on, suck yeah. it, Sean. Suck on these nuts. Was, yeah. Yeah, was, there was a hilarious beat, though, that you guys might have missed, that there's reporters on the carpet. And as they're turning to leave, this reporter goes really loudly and pretty close to him goes, what, like, what dress are you wearing? Who's the dress? And then you see her walk, and she's just in latex pants. And I'm like, come on, guys. I'm like, just use your fucking eyes. Like, I was like, let's go. <laughs> Disney just threw that in there. Yeah, they're like, like, what do people say on the red carpet? Sure. It might have been ADR even, too. But oh, yeah, it was. Like, it guys. absolutely was. Oh, also, we forgot the most important thing that happens. Before they open the doors, Niedermeyer's like, well, you obviously don't have everything perfect. Where's the dinosaur? And yeah, they're like, done. they're like, what? And he's like, the giant inflatable dinosaur I wanted on the roof. And they're like, it's up there. And he's like, I was just out there 10 minutes ago. It's not up there. And they're like, duh, 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 what's going on? So Sean tells him to find the dinosaur. All the outside stuff happens. He goes back to the office uh, to find Karen. Or no, he's walking around. Karen and Brian find him because they have a scene in the office where he finishes reading all the spoilers from whatever spoiler website he was on, because that's, you know, that worked, I guess. And he's like, oh, in the movie, the mayhem monster traps them all in the school and then, like, sucks the air and, out. And, like, he inflates, or he grows to the size that there's no lo- there's no space left in the room because the, the monster keeps growing. Something kind of messed up, if you think about it, but whatever. And they're like, we gotta find Pete. And so they run into Pete, and also, as Karen's No, leaving, no, they also, they find a key yes, on the floor. They find a key on the ground. You are which, correct, that is important. Which is, yeah. Yeah, because it, they find, yes. well, it's important right now, because they find Pete, and Pete's like, I don't have time, we gotta, I gotta find a missing dinosaur, and no one knows where the roof key is. And then Karen's like, you mean this, this key? This key? And then I was like, wait a minute, you mean that key where Sean was hanging over the door? It's almost like the key fell out of his pocket. Yeah, that's <sighs> weird. It's so weird. So yeah, they rush up to the roof 
Which I don't know why they do, because, like, the dinosaur is gone. Yeah, like, yeah. Like, what are you going to do? I guess it's to, like, look for clues or something. And they're all just standing around, and there's just, like, the tether rope, untethered ropes just sitting there, like, huh. And then, again... This roof did look incredibly unsafe. It looks incredibly unsafe, but also this is, again, where the movie just decides it's going to try and have, a like, a message and be sentimental. Yeah, it's, like, sibling bonding time up yeah, there a little bit. Where, like, they double down on, like, the whole, like, you take things too serious, and he's like, I love movies, too, I think that's here. Really? Don't care, keep it moving. Maybe, yeah. But while all of this sibling bonding is going on... The Phantom. Who do we... The what, Emma? The Phantom. Thank you. <laughs> who do we see in the background but a cloaked figure, and this is the first time we get a good look at his mask. Which is just like a all white skull mask, and it looks. I thought it was gray. Okay. Or gray, whatever. I meant, to, yeah, you're right. It's gray. Oh, and the black. It looks fine or whatever. But then, as he like gets closer, like he throws like a blanket over them and ties them all up, and we see him leave, and he's just got on like khakis, like chinos. <laughs> That's like, literally my ma- yeah. my my comment is the, the Phantom went to H and M. Yeah, right I didn't before. notice that. You know, guy. He's just wearing normal pants under like. He's literally in chinos. Cloak. I was like, what? Like it he really, went to Gap. It really doesn't. Some pull the whole ensemble together. It's I did not see the chinos at all. It's yeah, hilarious. it's terrible. So yeah, they're tied up. On the I did write down. I was like, why am I kind of scared of the mask though? It was kind of creepy. They're tied up like in a hug. Like they're all hugging kind of. They are tied up for a while. And also, I just want to flag like um, this had they fallen off this roof, that's murder. Yeah, yeah. Because they reference that. They put. I was like, they're like. They're like trying to. They're like, oh, we need to find the drainage pipe. I was like, you could easily find the edge. And yeah, like, although that's, that's what it's. We referenced this earlier. Karen goes, "What if we just toddle toward the edge?" And he's like, "Don't worry, there are guardrails. We saw the There's edge. There's no he, guardrails. There's no guardrails. You think they're up to snuff? You think they have another guardrail code? <laughs> you think they're up to code with guardrails? Kidding? They have kids working twenty-four hour shifts. Fuck you. <laughs> um. Okay, but it's a quick update on the parents, because they start to mix in. They get their car fixed or towed or whatever. They show up. There's a line before that where he goes, wouldn't they have beeped you? And I was like, shut up about the beeper, George. (laughs) But they show up at the movie theater, and like uh, the mom has to go up to, I think it's the ticket taker guy, and be like, hey, I'm Pete Riley's mom. Um, I'm, I'm not, not trying, trying to see. Just let me in. I just need to pick up my kids. They're still here. And I need to talk to Pete. Can you just let me in? And he's like, oh, yeah, sure. Come on in. He lets them in. And they start walking around looking for them. And there's a line. Where she drops the two stars' names. Where she goes, I've seen stars Katie Seagal and LeVar Burton. Right. But do you know who those are from? Smart House. Smart House. Oh, yeah, it's Smart House it's, one. It's a Smart House reference. Because LeVar Burton directed Smart House. Katie Seagal was Pat. Yeah. And I was just like, ooh. Yes. I love that connective tissue. So yeah, it, then we get an extended sequence of them on the roof trying to like shimmy out of the this bag. This takes tri- forever. It takes and it's not, I don't get what they're trying to do at first. They're trying to get to that pipe so they can like kind of like hook the rope around it and untie the rope, I guess. Right, but yeah. it's, it's yeah. I don't know, it takes way too long and is not interesting to watch. So basically they get out. Well, I think before they get out, we see the plan unfold, which is everybody's packed in the theater for the yeah. premiere. and. Nettermeyer's like, hey, everybody, I know we're starting a little late, so I'm just going to throw it straight to the director. And the director's like... Why did he need to give a speech? That It serves no purpose. I'm, he's just coked out of his mind, well, British. Yeah, like, they need to reveal he's British, I guess. But he's just like, I hope you're all excited for some real mayhem. And then, like, I think we hear the, once again, off-brand phantom music yes. and, like, some laughter. Mm-hmm. And then we see the dinosaur that was on the roof start to grow from, like, the balcony. It's blowing up. And blowing up. Which I was kind of... Huge. Yeah, I was, like, impressed. I was like, how did they convince a movie theater to let them do, do this? this. It's let's huge. This has to be super unsafe And then to there's do it two it. massive gorillas that block the Yeah, exit. I was like, oh, there's gorillas. Yeah, because people try and run out with things, and there's, like, gorillas blocking things, like, it's inflatable gorillas. I was like, there's gorillas involved in the planet? Where do you get those? <laughs> They're the henchmen. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
And so they are then being blocked into the room, and the the fucking, I almost said dragon, but the dinosaur is, like, literally taking up all available space. People are getting smushed and smudged. And finally the kids get out. Yeah, they get out and run down, and they run down to the theater. And as they're running down to the theater, Brian says to Pete, so how did you figure out it was him? And he's like, I just listened to everything you said, and, like, it all started to make sense. So they know. They know? They know. Oh, I missed that completely. Because it's in passing and it's probably 80 yard in. I don't get it. It's stupid. But like, so they run to the door and because they realize that whatever's happening is happening now and they're blocked by the gorillas and they're like, what do we do? And then Mason, movie Mason is there. Shows, is, is there. And they're like, movie Mason, can you help us? And he's like, I, he, and they're like, how are you not in the movie? And he goes, I'd take a leak. And then I came back and these gorillas were in the door. <laughs> yeah. I definitely wasn't in the sex dungeon yeah, doing things. for sure, with that actress. <laughs> no, that's his daughter, Emma. We can't. Sorry. His daughter? Yeah, you can't do that. Um, I don't know how they get to the idea of the sword. Because there had to be better options than this, right? Because he... Safety pin? Pete runs and gets the sword from the asteroid, and he has Merle, like, help him undo it, because it's like, it only comes out every 10,000 yanks. And he's like, well, not if you hit the switch. And he's like, thanks. Which is just also another funny, like, in terms of, like, again, like, the kids are, like, running this whole operation, but they're also kids. So, like, the one adult is just, like kid flip the switch yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, and then pete like with the sword runs out like a freaking knight in shining armor from the balcony from the balcony so this is also a huge movie theater by the way because yeah, it's two levels it's massive it's two levels it puts the mega and megaplex and yeah so they go up to the balcony which is like not being overrun by the thing and he jumps from the balcony onto yeah. the back of the inflatable and stabs it multiple times it's pretty cool it's pretty cool it's a good stunt i like, was like this is a pretty fun we stunt. don't we don't get a lot of good stunts in the channel original movies for obvious reasons but I was like, this, this is one cool. would have been fun to do. Yeah. yeah. If I was that guy, if I was the guy playing Pete, I would be like, can I do it? Please? I also like, think it looks cool. It does. I mean, like, obviously they're trying to go for more of like an evoking, like the imagery of like a movie hero, like yeah. slaying the beast. And it's not taken as seriously, but it is kind of like, oh, that was cool. Like, it's cool. Yeah. Then the thing deflates and the phantom runs. The what? The phantom. No. <laughs> Dylan, do you hear this, or am I crazy? Yeah, I was just about to say, Emma, what, what the fuck? What, what are you saying? <laughs> Guys, I'm what? trying so hard. Is, it a, is that a ghost that only haunts vans <laughs> that you're talking about? Is George a phantom? Is that what it is? Because he owns a minivan, and he's... <laughs> George is the phantom. George is the phantom. <laughs> the phantom. Ben comes out of where? Where does that motherfucker come from? He's looking from behind the screen. He's like, looking yeah. by, there's like a curtain, and he like picks his head, which, um... Yeah, you know how movie theaters have all that space behind the screen? Because that's how movies, and it's not just a wall that the screen goes on. The guys, the craziest part is, though, Pete goes charging after him behind the screen. Yeah. And they start talking about not seeing people come to blows. They start physically fighting. And I'm like, there's many adult men in this audience, and no one's going to help the kid that is nope. physically getting the shit kicked out of him right in front of them. Yeah, and it's all done behind the screen so they can show it in silhouette, I guess, because they couldn't show an actual fight or something. I don't know why they did it like this. Or it was this. supposed to be more d- dramatic. Or funny. Like, like, I don't... Like, is no one going to help the child fighting the deranged maniac? No. No. Of course not. Like, what about George? You're supposed to be his father figure. Go help. So, yeah, they have this tussle behind the movie screen and, like, silhouette. It's supposed to be cool, I guess. I don't know. And then they, like, fly through the movie screen after tussling. And he's like, grabs the phantom and then, like, rips his mask off and... Guys, guess who it was? It was George. No, Sean. <laughs> it was Donnie Holly's friend. I, okay, that would have been a better twist. Been better. Better just, but it was Sean. He was fucking just pissed because he got passed over for the promotion and he wanted Neil that's Meyer what, to notice him. That's what him. pisses me off about this is that, like we said multiple times, this is Scooby-Doo. 
we have the unmasking, but we never get the scene where the villain explains the whole plan. Like, he does yeah. say, I just wanted you to notice me. Like, Yeah, well, he says he wants me to notice me, not that he wants revenge or something for not getting a promotion, but he doesn't have the thing. He's like, yeah, I kept tying myself up, so I had an excuse for where I was just Yeah, that's to. also, yeah, that's the thing I love in Scooby, too, is, like, the villain says, like, he goes through and goes through also, like, how he did it a exactly. lot of Exactly, there's times, no how, so, I, yeah. how of, there's a why given, but no how. Yes, I, yeah. that, I did miss that, because it's like, I would like him to explain, like, how he got that fucking fan in front of the screen. Like, yeah. just, just walk <laughs> us through it, man. I think they couldn't do that because they realized it didn't make any sense. Yeah. Then what happens? LaMonica is revealed to be the son-in-law and he doesn't even know where the projector room is. Well, it's is. not really revealed, but this is... It was a reveal for me. It was pretty shocking. Um, Sean gets fired and banned from every movie theater ever for the rest of time or whatever. Mm-hmm. And then Movie Mason steps forward and is like, all this needs now is a Hollywood ending. And then George is like, I think I can provide that. Except you can't because not only can you not make a reservation you can't buy an engagement <laughs> ring well, yeah. he wasn't planning on doing this <laughs> then why do it because he's been bullied into it I know movies just like your husband well I bet it, I mean, that's what it was it was movie Mason saying that was giving his blessing to George because clearly they've talked about this about and, and all that <laughs> oh my god my face hurts from laughing so oh. he proposes and they bring back the goddamn plant metaphor where he's like I'm ready to repot <laughs> and then freaking uh he's like I don't have a ring yet and movie Mason's like don't worry I carry around props just for this occasion yeah, he's like a movie Mason's like I just yeah I have 24 carat rings on me at all it was times. a prop ring no that's yeah that's plastic Dylan come but, on come on but also no, like I... why would he have that well you don't you don't want to know where that ring was before <laughs> um on his dick <laughs> <laughs> yes I was which is weird because it fits on her finger honestly the craziest thing he's an old man it's things have shrunk <laughs> yeah things are shrunking right the craziest thing is that after this, we then see the director talking to Sean, and who oh, yeah. offers? I'm like, so Sean just sold film rights? Yeah, he came out on top. The villain is now well, rich. Because no, then they have a thing at the end where he's like, "You're gonna be my partner now, partner. Go get me some coffee, two creams and a sugar, or something like that." So it's like, so supposed like to you're still that, like, my bitch. Yeah, like he's still a loser, I guess. But I would have totally just ended it on like. I think he's gonna make more money selling his film rights than he is at this fucking movie theater. Well, in a way, I think that's fair because Sean absolutely got screwed over by nepotism and this guy sucks. So honestly, I'm glad he got something even though it's not a good deal, I presume. Oh yeah, also when she puts the fake ring on the finger, everyone's like, cheers, and then Caitlin and Pete hug. And I was like, why is she a part I, of That's this? why I wrote the note, and I was like, oh, she has absolutely no lines or agency. You go, girl, give us nothing. Like, I love it. And then Nettermeyer comes film. forward and is like, hey, glad your mom just got engaged. This cool. was so crazy. Um, I, I just fired Sean, so I'm going to need an actual manager. And his, his selling point is money, money. And longer hours. That's yeah. all he says. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then Pete, money, money. he says longer hours, like a selling point. And I was, and he's Pete's like, absolutely, I would take it, but I'm gonna have to turn you down. I realize I have been taking life too seriously. I need to work less. In fact, and fuck this girl right now. <laughs> also, Pete's probably like, I also realize that summer's coming to an end, and I have school starting in two weeks. <laughs> I so I can't be here for twenty hours a day anymore. <laughs> uh, you know, I'm not like a person, right? Yeah, I'm a child. I'm a child. I- I've also realized I'm a child. I don't think I can legally hold this job. <laughs> no, he can't. There's no way. The manager is not going to be a part-time employee. But more importantly, I need the rest of tonight off. 
I guess you're my boss now, even though you're the CEO also, of the company. Also, what time is it? It's so it's, late. Oh, it's 2 in the morning. <laughs> it's 2 in the morning. Because think about it. Their Farmer Brown movie started at 7.50 or like 7.40, so it was like 8 o'clock. Movies are about 2 hours, so it's like 10. And then they had to push the premiere back. It's at least midnight. It's, it's midnight. At least, because he's like... Oh, so you want the rest of the night off, huh? Well, I think you've earned it. And it's like... Yeah, I do too. He's 17. It's literally 3 a.m. Yeah, and he saved everyone's lives, maybe? I don't know if they would have died. But then he's like, and tell you what, and he pulls out a 50 from nowhere and he's like, you can t- take this with my compliments. Buy that nice girl breakfast. Which is yeah. just assuming they're <laughs> Which, yeah, it's, it's not like 4 in the morning. It's not like the sun's about to come up, which implies like, no. yeah, you all can stay for the... You all can stay for the premiere, then I take a hotel to a hotel room on and me. And just fuck your brains out. <laughs> like, and make sure you swing by a Denny's in the morning. Had he just said, like, here, you can get some popcorn on me for the whole family, it would have been fine. But he's like, no, buy that girl breakfast yeah, tomorrow. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, we can talk about your promotion over that breakfast. That was so insane. It was wild. <laughs> and yeah, there's no scene, like Emma said, of no agency. Caitlin Never's like, oh, screw you, Donnie. Or like, there's I, no resolution I love to stay there. For She's just like, yep, I'm down with this. I can't wait for breakfast tomorrow. And then Pete's like, I think we should all be together tonight since my mom just got engaged. And where better to be together than the movies? And I said, uh, I can think of many better places to be than the movies. <laughs> See, so you guys have been at the movie theater for seven straight hours. And then they all go in to watch the premiere. And here's the thing, is they've expressed multiple times, because the kids also asked Pete to convince the mom to let them stay. But Donnie says he wanted to stay for the premiere too. And then R- Ricky Rules was like, there's all the tickets are sold. Like, there's no more seats to give you. So where are yeah, they all going to sit? Know. I don't know. It didn't look like any, unless the people ran out, there weren't people um, sitting on the balcony area. Yeah. Why wouldn't they sell out that balcony? Yeah, why would you not sell that balcony if that's the case? This man, know. this guy's bad at business. He sucks. <laughs> um, but then they all go into the theater, and then Brian, and like we said, Louis Mason hang back. And then he's like, Louis Mason's just like, I tell you, Brian, if I'm being honest, I never believed in the Phantom of the Megaplex. And Brian's like, oh, yeah, ha, ha. Now the werewolf of the Megaplex. That's a different oh story. Oh my god. I was like, what they said it? I was like, they weren't saying it in no, a sequel, it but it was just so dumb. Just a dumb joke. Um, yeah. That's it, folks. That's and then the, there's a wolf howl and we're there's out. There's a wolf howl. That's the fan of the Megaplex. I, I have complicated feelings about this movie because like, I think it has a really nice charm to it and I, kind of, I did enjoy watching it, but I just think it f- fails to check so many simple boxes of being good. Yeah. <laughs> like, it, the writing isn't that good. The characters are fine, I guess, but the plot is, like, so bad, in my opinion. It's not really funny or scary. I, I disagree with you in that it's, I think it is funny and also great. Well, it's funny in a bad way, I think. I don't I know, I like it. Yeah, I love it. It's so, it's so charming. And also, I feel like if you're watching it as a kid, too, you're not, like, pointing out, like, the obvious things that it's, like, Sean and stuff, you know? Well, yeah, you're more, of like, I mean, it's still along for the ride of it. Yeah, I get what you're saying, because, like, the sum of its parts doesn't sound like it would make sense, but I think you are, like, like, like Dylan said, like you're missing a charm factor. Like I, think I just said, I very I charming. The charm. And I think the acting is good. The kids are good. The acting is good. They're not hard to watch ever. They, I, I like the main character. I like Mickey Rooney. If it makes no sense, the, he's there. But we haven't, I, we haven't gotten to ratings yet. But once we get there. My rating went up because of Mickey Rooney. Yeah, for sure, <laughs> for sure. And I love there oh, just yeah. aren't a lot of good whodunit decoms. Other only the only other one that pops to mind is Get a Clue, which I also love. I think it's one of those ones that I think if you grew up with it more, you definitely like it a lot more. Where, but like, 
I definitely get why that is because it is so charming. Is what I would say, Dylan. Oh, are you asking for my ranking? No, or no, for more your, just your final wrapping thoughts. Oh no, I mean it, it's one. I, I think I've even deemed it. I think on our first one I was on, which was what a million dollar cook off. Yeah. Maybe I think yeah, I right. think I said this was my favorite. I, I don't necessarily think it's the best, but it's one that yeah I've always loved and just the you know. Not to be cheesy, guys, but the magic of the movies. Magic, <laughs> you already said in that sex dungeon. Yes, this this one always charmed me, so I I, I loved it. And yeah, I mean, fucking Mickey Rooney is the magic just, of Mickey Rooney. <laughs> yes, is unbelievable. Uh, yeah, but Dylan, what would you rate it then? Is it, I assume is it a ten out of ten? Oh, this is a ten for me. Are you giving it a ten? No, I'm gonna give it a nine. Really? I That's love it. so high. I, Lucas, I love it. I'm gonna give it like a six. <laughs> wow. What? That hurts. It just it didn't get it, yeah. it didn't hit it for me. I'm sorry guys. Mickey Rooney's sex dungeon it doesn't was, give that was, a seven. It was to gonna you? be a five, but Mickey Rooney popped it to a six. I think that I also naturally usually rate any of the decoms that are Halloween-y, spooky, at least one point higher than they should be. Like, I, Mom's Got a Date with a Vampire is not good, and I love that one, too. Like, <laughs> I, I, I one. love anything of that, like, fake spooky genre, like Halloween Town. Like, I, I love it. I don't know why. Because I love Halloween. Yeah, that's fair. I just, I mean, yeah. I'm just didn't give out Halloween vibes from this one, personally, but, um, I, I definitely had fun with it. But, uh, yeah. like we said, there's no tagline, and we've been going a while, so I think that's gonna do it for us guys. Um, but before we do all our sign off, Emma, do you want to know what we're watching next month? No, but I think you're going to tell me. Yes, because as we said, we kind of let Dylan pick this month. So I'm picking up the slack of picking November. And if you've been around here a while, you might remember the fact that November is one of my theme months that Emma doesn't really like or care about. I don't remember any of them. Where to celebrate Thanksgiving, because there's no Thanksgiving decoms. I like to pick a film that is based on a Disney Channel TV show because I'm very thankful for those TV shows. I originally was going to maybe do an animated one, but Emma already picked Tangled. So I thought we'd do one that I'd never seen before, but from a show that I absolutely loved. So join us in November where we will be watching Wizards of Waverly Place, the movie. I feel like I hate this movie. I think I've oh never boy. seen it. I've never seen it. I think it. I've seen it and I, I dislike I think it. I, know the, I think I know the plot. Dylan, have you seen it? Yeah, I, I've seen it. Is it good? Um, It, it gets... It gets wacky. Yes, that's I what I remember there, about I, it. I remember there being I also time travel being, shenanigans. It, I, and you know how yes, I feel about there's time some travel. Weird, there's some weird time playing with time stuff and like a like a battlefield scene. Yep. It, yeah. it gets a little I was going to do this one or the Sweet Life movie. I haven't seen that one either. Oh, I like that one. That one also is incredibly interesting, but I, I like that one way way more than some of the other TV one movie ones. I'm hoping that the Wizards can pick up some of the spooky vibes that were lost uh, this month on me. But mm. that's what we'll do next month. Uh, Dylan, you don't plug anything ever, but thank you so much for being here. Nah, I got nothing. Yep. Emma, where can people find you on the internet? You can find me at Emma Stone Tyler on Twitter and Instagram. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Wildfire underscore King. You can find my Patreon at patreon.com slash Lucas Tyler. Thanks so much for everybody supporting me there. Uh, but most importantly, you can find us on Twitter at Decomedy Podcast. Give us a follow there. Become a loyal Decom rad. Um, you can also rate and review us on Please, iTunes. Please rate That's and review us. That's very cool when you do that. We really, really appreciate it. Um, you can also check out all the great shows on AudioEntropy.com. There'll be one you like, I guarantee it. Um, I think that's everything. I think we knocked out that. That was a quick outro. But thank you so much for joining us, everybody. I hope you have a happy and safe, very importantly safe, Halloween. Uh, doing whatever you do this year. Then lock your doors or Mickey Rooney will walk into your house and refuse to leave. The ghost of Mickey Rooney. <laughs> the ghost of Mickey Rooney will haunt us all this Halloween season. Uh, but that'll do it for us. See you next time. Bye-bye. Bye. Dylan, do you want to say goodbye? No. Okay. <laughs> Decoms forever. When we arrive in this world, magic is all around us. 
You simply have to see a baby discover a butterfly or a toddler splash in the bath for the first time. Yet, as years pass, simple pleasures are quite so simple to find. Myths and legends fall away. Santa's secrets are revealed. Card tricks lose their fascination. True wonder is harder to come by. But there's always magic at the movies. Pirate ships, bicycles that fly, angels earn their wings, beautiful women marry handsome men. And we all learn there's no place like home. To destroy that magic, to shatter those moments, to me is a sin so grave as to be almost incomprehensible. If there truly is a phantom, my young friends, I assure you, it most definitely is not me.